0: Log Talk Radio.
1: For the utmost reports on sports of all sorts, let's join Richie Altman and Eugene Benton on Southern Sports Central.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. A beautiful Saturday here in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm Michelle, but y'all, got a to guest today, got the fellas in the shop. Man. It's going to be a good day today. I want to hear from you today as well. There's a few ways that you can hang out with us right here live on the air today on Southern Sports Central number one. The best way, call in, hang out with us. The number to call in is easy. It's 515-602-9675. Again, write that down, put it in your phone. That's 515-602-9675. You can also find us on that old social web. We're tweeting out over there at Sports Central. We're on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. So that's kind of our angles where we're at. We're going to TikTok maybe a little later. We might even find some other avenues to get into. But those are the two. We got not one, but two guys going to hang out with me today. Of course, Eugene, back from campus, tours across the country. He's here with us. We'll get him in here in just a second. And the coach, the other coach, if you will, who, of course, is the head football coach over King Street. That's Coach Smitty. He's our dog. He's back in the house with us as well. We'll talk to him today. We've also got a 10:15 guest coming in here, the fellas from Moving the Chain, our new partners, if you will, of Southern Sports Central. We're going to join us at 10-15. We're talking high school football, hour number one. We will dabble into some college because college and high school, they go together. They kind of do that thing. So we'll talk about a little bit of both, but we'll be really heavy on the high school talk in hour one. Reginald Walker Jr., the other family member of Southern Sports Central, lives up in Charlotte, but he played his football days up at Penn State. So we are going to talk to him at 11.15. And he'll talk to us about what's going on in college football. Of course, he also does a lot of stuff on the radio on multiple avenues, ESPN and a few others. With that being said, of course, we're going to talk about that big layoff that happened yesterday. 20-plus guys got cut yesterday. We're going to get into that a little bit in hour number one, but mostly hour two, fellas. So we'll get into that part. You can tell your jeans back. Love it. And um, we'll also talk about my guy. And I say my guy because I had a chance to meet David Pollock uh, years and years and years and years ago uh, from a common friend of ours that uh, was outside of Alabama, Georgia, where they're from. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, When I saw that he was cut yesterday, it really upset me because I feel, the college game day, and that's why I opened up with the college game day thing, and that was a shout-out to my guy David, because of the fact that Pollock is one of many guys who makes that show what that show is today. Not everything needs to be changed. You know what I mean? I, I'm fine with certain things, but college game day is kind of a thing. It's hard enough when, when Lee Corso finally isn't on that show, and that day is coming much sooner than later. That show is going to be changed dramatically. And that old headgear game, not going Michael V... I, I, uh, We'll get into that in hour two because that's a lot to un- un- unhang here in just a little bit. And then the other topic I want to hear from you guys today as well is this baby Gronk situation. Now, if you start to look at the baby Gronk situation, if you're not familiar with it, this is a little elementary kid who is uh, built like a – probably like a, 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 a very mature middle school kid in eighth grade. Uh, he's got the height. He's got the weight right. He's in the gym. He's running. He's doing all these drills that I really don't even think really make a difference. But he's doing them anyways because it's on the internet, so he uses them. But his dad, who seems to be obsessed with with the Gronkowski situation, with Rob, he has tried to reach out to him over 500 times, 5 million times. I don't know. But now Gronk's like, look, dude, I got to put something down to get you to stay away from me. So he's got that going on. Of course, Eugene is also a legal connection to us as well. So we'll get into that part with Eugene a little bit as well um, and talk about that, but that whole CESA and all of that uh, now put in place, uh, it's just a really weird thing. And then I, I opened up after, if you go and read the comment section, which everybody does on social media, you kind of find out a little bit more about the details and things. But there's actually an interview where this guy is doing like we do. It's a live podcast. But this was a pre-recorded podcast where he would ask the kid the question. The dad would give him the answer. He would re-ask him the question, record that part of it. And then put it out there. And it's just very disturbing that dads live so hard through their kids. It's almost disgusting. I'm a pimp. As, as a former athlete. So, that being said, that's kind of today. Two guests, multiple topics, your calls. And without further ado, I'm going to slowly start to bring in some of these guys in. It's been a minute since we've had them in. Uh, we'll bring in Eugene first uh, as he's on the other side of the wall there pushing buttons and uh, – having fun with the the, the additions to the show. You can hear some of his uh, little inserts there. Eugene, brother, it's been too long. Glad to have you back home in your seat. Uh, Hopefully you were able to uh, get some of the paperwork over there out of your way. We just kind of threw some stuff around, but uh, glad to have you home, buddy. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt, basically, that's what his father's doing.
3: I mean, one of the great ones to listen to is uh, Coach Brown. Um, He was, you know, the last chance you coach uh, there in Kansas – and he had enough uh, of the whole baby gronk stuff, um, and, and and forced them basically by calling them out on social media. He finally got the dad to sit down for an interview, and then you know when, when the when it hit the fan, you know as they say that, what is it the uh, the fecal matter hit the oscillating blades or whatever there, um, you know it basically <laughs> came out that the dad is completely pushing all of it, you know, and a lot of people right. say you know a lot of parents do, and that's whatever. But I think what, what's coming out is that it's an extreme level of the father trying to create, not even just, you know, and, and they discuss the, the football side of it. If he doesn't even have the football side of it, he's basically going to have, cele- he has celebrity status. So you could argue that, you know, it's been successful, um, you know, in, in gaining that. I mean, the kid goes to, he, he's in what, sixth grade, something like that, and he's going to elementary I think it's in elementary school. Spoke. Going to LSU and getting a complete photo shoot in the jerseys and helmets and everything else with Libby Dunn. I mean, you know, who is the queen of NIL. She has the largest NIL following. She's the uh, very talented uh, gymnast at LSU. And everywhere he goes, I mean, he had this whole camp circuit in July or June where he would just go and camp and and do visits. But when you create, The the demand, when you create the celebrity status, which his father did, it's working. I mean, this kid is in elementary school, and he goes to, for example, you know, somewhere like uh, University of Texas, and the head coach is taking pictures with him and putting him in the jerseys and uniforms and helmets and things that, you know, a lot of other athletes have been balling out for years and years and years in the high school level, you know, don't have the privilege of doing that. And this kid, you know, you can say he's done whatever, but... He hasn't done anything on a, on a high school football field. So it, it's what the dad is doing is creating basically the image, almost like someone would boost their L value. Um, and it's working right. in a sense because, you know, for all those things listed. I think some of us who coach, some of us who have had kids to play sports, find it utterly disgusting. Um, however, and I think Coach Smitty for – we tend to agree more on things lately than, than in the past, um, would agree that, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, this is where we are in the society and culture, uh, and, and even with sports. You know, in the 50s and right. 40s, it used to be the stars had these auras around their heads. And they were just goddesses and gods and everything else, and they were worshipped. And today, it's become the athletes who are the movie stars, um, who have the you know the, the the walks and everything else. And so, his father basically has done that outside of football, so that if football doesn't work out, he has this you know this whole celebrity status. Um, it's been it's been wild. I've been following it for quite a bit now. You know, I know Gronk uh sent the father a cease and desist. I don't know how well that's gonna stand up because the kid goes by baby gronk. You know, if he he doesn't call himself Gronk, he calls himself baby gronk and that's that's gonna be a tough one. I don't you know, I haven't seen the kid's Twitter change so um as far as I know the, the the dad of the kid isn't really intimidated by the cease and desist. Um it's been wild, Ben. I tell you uh, what I found was cool today and uh I've been tracking it, you know, over the past year. I love this conference realignment stuff. Today is day one for Big 12, the new schools in Big 12. I saw some videos late last night when they released at midnight. Uh, Cincinnati, um, BYU, Central Florida, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, right. I, I love this changing – the changing of the conferences. My whole goal is we'll get to four mega conferences and do away with the NCAA, but that's for another story. But anyway, man, um, yeah, as you said, been uh, coaching football at James Island every day. Uh, Been around, uh, seems like around the southeast, touring a bunch of campuses, taking visits, going to camps, things like that. So it's been a pretty wild summer. Uh, Just got back most recently from Georgia and Alabama. Um, First time seeing inside of Alabama's facilities, and it's it's pretty awesome, man. But you know, you go to one SEC school, you know, South Carolina, Alabama. Auburn, Tennessee—I'm thinking the ones that have seen Florida—they um, all have the same stuff. <laughs> Everybody's always thinking you know one school is awesome and got, like does that? I mean, they all package it differently, sure, but they all have you know <clears throat> all this you know the football operations buildings, and they're all like you know leads right from a weight room to the practice field so that they can transition faster. They all have excellent nutrition facilities. Um, you know, and, and the money over the past few years has definitely gone into rest and recovery, you know, the, the Dead Sea, um, saltwater pools, the chambers, having, you know, complete medical staff in your building, doctors, x-ray machines, um, all that kind of stuff, as well as uh, chiropractors and masseuses and So it's kind of cool, man, but when you look at kids and you're going through the recruiting process and you've seen all this stuff. And you've seen the inside of every program. And it's really, at this point, just finding. And Coach Tash, he's a coach at East Carolina, was like, you know, we got a big weight room, too. It's really about finding your fit. Um, so, okay. it's cool, man. It's been, been a busy summer, traveling around. And then, uh, like I said, coaching football. Uh, yesterday morning was our last practice at James Island. So, we've gotten the – the the refrigerator door closed, and uh, for for about what nine days we start back on the tenth for what we call second summer, getting ready for a good season. Um, we got a pretty good team, we think, and so um, that's been that's been pretty much the uh, the catch up
2: real quick, and the run down through June. It's going to be a good. Well, we're gonna we're gonna continue this table that part of it, Eugene, because I do want to make sure that we we kind of get you up up to date with some stuff as well. We of course been getting into it, Smitty, of course, who's. the uh, – has, has been doing his thing. I know we're getting ready to get, by the way, uh, here in just a few minutes. We'll go to break. We'll reset because we do get right into rolling out the red carpet. First guest coming down the aisle will be the man, the myth, and the legend, Kevin Thomas. He is one of the many over at Moving the Chains. It's a good uh, group of guys over there that, uh, I tell you what, it, first class, top to bottom, they're doing it the right way. And anytime that happens, you know what we do? We welcome you in the house. We welcome you into the family. and We welcome you to the table. And we do have a spot for those three guys here at the table as well. As uh, Kevin will join us here in just a little bit, but before that, let me bring in the man over there, of course, at King Street. That is Coach Smitty. Uh, Coach, welcome back, buddy. I know you've uh, you've got your own chair here now, man. How, how's that chair? Does it still fit okay over there?
4: It feels great.
2: Feels great.
4: And I wanted to <laughs> say to both of you, Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. People yeah, don't realize it is the got man's installment there. today of 1.1 One million bucks. Million bucks. He's got 12 more years left, so happy Bobby Bonilla Day. That guy is definitely a
2: legend in my eyes. Man, you remember. So, so let's go back. Let's show some age, fellas. Let's go all the way back to the Pirates, right? Pittsburgh Pirates. There were two guys, these <laughs> young guys coming in, right? No, there, there were these two guys coming in. We never heard of them. It was back when the Smash Brothers were in, L, you know, in Oakland, and here comes uh-huh. this Bobby Bowen, who is this Barry Bond guy? <laughs> Look at where they are now, though, right? I mean, what a, what a, and and I hate it for Barry Bonds because I still think his his whole his whole deal will always have an asterisk by it. He still had to hit the baseball. He still had to see the baseball, right? He did crush the baseball. He, there's a lot of question marks with Barry Bonds, and then there's Bobby Vanilla. Unfortunately, because he came in with Barry Bonds. He's connected to that conversation without being a part of that conversation, right? Is that something fair to say, right. Eugene? I'm going to ask you first, and then I'll, I'll go to you, of course, Smitty, and let you kind of tell me your thoughts.
3: Um, you know, here's—I will say this: I, I don't necessarily think this the same um, and because there's one guy that I, that I've got to meet uh, twice now, um, and Frank Thomas. And Frank Thomas was in the same era, and he gave his speech at the. Um, Hall of Fame, and he said, you know, I didn't leave here with the most home runs, uh, the most, you know, RBIs, the most, da da da, but I played the game the right way, and he's never been questioned for for steroids. And Frank Thomas is huge, um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe Smitty can can inform us better, but I don't know that Bobby Bo ever tested positive for anything. Um, I just think it's so right. cool, you know, that he brings it up with July 1st being the uh, Bobby Bo day. Cause for, I, I can't even remember how many more years this dude gets a million bucks. Cause I remember when he signed the contract. And it was uh, back then, man, you know, him and Daryl Strawberry and Doc Good and all these guys were getting these like $30 million contracts. And people thought they were obscene. Um, and that goes back to baseball setting the tone with uh, when Babe Ruth signed the first contract that paid him more than annually than what the president was making. And people were all aghast back then, um, that, that an athlete could make more than the president. So, um, happy Bobby bow cash that
2: check and, uh,
3: enjoy. I'm sure he's down in South Florida having, having a big time.
2: Here's, here's what we do. Smitty. we're going to table that. We're going to let you come back. We do got to go to break because we got to come back. Yep. We do have on the line, ready to go. Uh, right now, Kevin Thomas, he is one of one of the three, uh, one of the three Amigos over there at Moving the Chains. He's going to join us here right after this break. But uh, just so I can clarify, maybe I wasn't quite, quite on the same page, guys. I apologize. But when I say connected to, I'm talking about these two guys came in together, same team. Uh, they are known as the dudes that were doing it big with the Pirates, right? No different than when you think of, when you think of Jose Canseco, you got to think of who? Mark McGuire, right? It, it's kind of like that tag team championship type deal. Um, because, again, I, I'm 100% um, my recollection that that Bobby Bo has no connection to that side of what we found out when Barry Bonds went to the Giants. But I do want to hashtag it. Eugene, you run our Twitter, of course, uh, during the show. I do want to let's get it out there. We'll call it Bobby Bo Day, and we can officially put our stamp on it and do that. We're taking a break, time to get the man mic'd up, get him ready to go, get him in this chair over here, and uh, let's have a conversation with uh, one of the great ones over there, at moving the chains. Coming up next, right after this, guys, it is Kevin Thomas. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central, come in right back.
5: There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level you have this common bond of representing that community anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons i'm not buying it i'm around the game every day on these campuses i see the impact it has on these young men i see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Now, for the utmost
1: reports on sports of all sorts, let's join Richie Altman and Eugene Benton on Southern Sports Central.
6: If you smell
0: what the rock is cooking.
2: Welcome back, everybody. It is a beautiful Saturday here in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina coming to you live on Southern Sports Central. On the first day of July, it is Bobby Bode here on Southern Sports Central. And what better way to bring in a guest with the rest of the stuff over there, at moving the chains, the one and only Kevin Thomas. What's up, Big Kev? How's life treating you, buddy? Rich, Richie doing
7: well, man. Great to talk to you today.
2: Hey, man, always a pleasure. You and I have gotten a chance to grow our relationship off the air when it comes to these young men and the athletes and the opportunity to educate and entertain our our, our listeners different ways, but same mission and same goal, Uh, man. So, uh, first of all, thank you for what you and your team do week in, week out, day in and day out. The gas that you guys put out to go stadium to stadium from the upstate to the lower state, man. Uh, I want to personally, on behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, thank you for what you do for our youth and the way you're doing it the right way.
7: We appreciate that, man. It was kind of a underserved area. I mean, obviously, you guys do a great job, but outside of that, there's not a lot of coverage for a lot of these guys. So they, you know, they deserve to get their name in the paper and their name out there. They're doing a great job across the states. Wanted to kind of shine a light on those guys as, as well as we could. Yeah, it's kind of neat, man. I watch you guys, and of course, we kind of sat back and did different
2: things for a little while, and you guys really started catching a lot of fire, man. And I even I remember I think one of your guys, man, he would almost go to the concession stand and had his own little segment of. You know, uh, good food yeah. <laughs> to eat or something at the ballpark, <laughs> but I like that, man, because that shows the different character of what we all do. And it brings something different, a different type of value to it, man, as you know, and, and you and I have talked off the air and it's good to have you in here and looking forward to growing this starting today and going forward, um, each one of your guys brings something different, just like our guys over here. You know, you got Coach Smitty. we got Eugene. Of course, uh, a handful of other guys that come in here that are a part of it. Clemson Tom's done a great job with us here. He still hangs out with us. Darnisha Allen-Jackson, uh, she does a lot of stuff. Um, what, is it, what What was it about you three guys that y'all sat around and you thought to yourself, you know what, guys, you know, we do this sitting around the barbershop and we do this sitting around, you know, the water cooler. Let's, let's make this a reality and go online, man. Where, where did it come from? Where did moving the chains uh, – kind of get its, get its uh, I guess, get its gas power from.
7: Man, I think it was something, you know, we all grew up, we're all from South Carolina. I mean, you know, and growing up, we knew what it was like to turn on the TV on Friday night and watch the highlights after the big game and then check out the, the Saturday paper and see all the box scores and the stats. I mean, you know, football in this state is just huge, always has been, always will be. And, you know, we kind of felt that a lot of that coverage had, you know, Kind of gone away. I mean, you know, the the newspapers now are starting to dry up a little bit here and there. If you don't get as much get as, get as much of that stuff. Um, the TV coverage has gotten you feel like less as well because the guys are having to you know cover so many games. They can stay for a quarter or whatever at one game and pop the next one, so they're not getting all the information either. Um, and we were just kind of thinking, you know, there's nobody really doing something outside of that. There's really a need for it. Um, you know, we all love talking ball. Um, we thought it was. You know, with the tools you can do now on social media and with just, you know, using even your basic computer or phone, there was an avenue to get information out there, we felt like it, without taking too much work or time, really, on that side of it. So basically one night we set up a computer, uh, started doing some Facebook Live stuff, and it's really just kind of grown from there, I'd say. And it's grown in in, in fashion, man.
2: You guys, again, taking road trips and and doing the things that you're doing, again, people don't realize that the, the angle that we come at and the preparation is the toughest part. You know, going on the air, man, this part, is easy. It's, the, it's the preparing to go on the air. It's the driving to the destination. It's the phone call after phone call to an athletic director or his secretary to get the approval to come on campus, right? Because, again, you know, we're not disrespectful what we do. We want to let you know we're coming because, you know, that, that whole shocking thing is not really a good thing when it comes to media. So we kind of do it the way that you guys, I'm sure, are doing the same way. How have you enjoyed that part of it, though, getting to know the athletic directors, their secretaries, then you get to know their coaches because, you know, you kind of go through the proper channels to get on campus.
7: It's great, man. Cause it's great people all across this state. Uh, you know, I really enjoy getting to know some of the ladies and in the, in the men in those positions there. And, you know, I've always said, if never, uh, you know, you can never make too many connections. So who knows down the line when one of those folks might could help, help us out or we might could help them out. So it's been really nice getting to know some of them and, You know, I tell the guys every week, like, hey, let's try to decide by, you know, Sunday or Monday what game we want to go to so we can start sending out some emails, making some phone calls over there and, you know, getting it set up. And some of them are faster responders than others, as I'm sure you know, Richie, but uh, we haven't had too much trouble so far getting, uh, getting stuff at most places.
2: Hanging out over there on the hotlines right now, of course, with Kevin Thomas with Moving the Chains, talking high school football here. Now we're number one with Southern Sports Central. Uh, Kevin, let's let's talk some football, brother. Now there's been a little shaking and baking in the Low Country, uh, but we'll uh, we'll start here and then we'll work our way back up to you guys. But you're up in the Greenville area now. Um, down here, man, a slew of coaches. I mean, Berkeley's got a brand new head football coach. They went to Florida to get him. I did find out that the coach Spivey, who I've gotten to know. Uh, even more than I knew growing up because he's from my hometown area as well. But one of the big powerhouse mind-wise in the offensive coordinator life uh, has joined that staff. So that could be a very interesting one. And, by the way, right down um, to check up the freshman quarterback over there, at Berkeley, this kid's supposed to be quite the uh, all-purpose uh, kind of quarterback over there, um, dual threat, if you will. And then, of course, Hanahan went to Georgia to get their guy. Uh, Ashley Ridge went up to your side of the town and a guy that I've gotten to interview and know after beating Myrtle Beach a few years ago to win a state championship at Renn and Coach Tate has taken over that program. Uh, Fort's got a new guy. Uh, it just kind of seems like about every five years we see this wave. It did this during COVID, right before COVID hit, uh, we got this wave, and here it is a few years later, another one, man. Um, what, what's your thoughts on seeing the changes uh, from the lower state to the upper state and some of these coaches' changes and how we're really now starting to do what you've seen some other schools do, and that's going out of the state to find some coach uh, to coach over at their high schools.
7: It's crazy. I think I added up; it's you know up over fifty across the state this year, which just seems like an obscene number, really. Um, and you know, and what's weird about it too is that some of these jobs, uh, you know, took so long to be filled, it would just then kind of cause another big job to open up, another big job. So. Some of those jobs didn't get filled until you know may june which put some of these coaches really behind the eight ball going into spring practice and even into the summer in seven on seven but there's been some big ones like you mentioned you know coach at berkeley is a guy i'm super excited to see coming from out of state had a lot of really good success down there at florida or berkeley program that you know i mean could could use kind of maybe a youthful injection there so i think he's going to do a great job but um really cool to see that you know we kind of did our coaching carousel show a week or so ago We, we kind of recorded I haven't put it out yet but we got a lot of guys coming from out of state to South Carolina but don't see a lot of coaches going from South Carolina to other states so I don't know what I don't right. know if that says that I don't know if that says that we're paying paying them enough or you know whatever it is but that's good to see us get some guys coming in here without losing some of our own coaches for sure yeah I mean there
2: is a lot of things I'm interested to, to get you guys and listen to what you guys have to say about the coaching carousel because you're right there seems to be a lot of coaches coming from the United States, And North Carolina kind of been uh, a pipeline for South Carolina coaches. And what they do is they retire in one state and come here and finish in this state. So does that say we're just a great state to retire in, which is kind of ironic? I thought that was called Florida. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is that we get these guys in here. And, and again, it's nice to have them. I mean, Dutch Forks got old boys sitting up there. TK has been just killing it and, and, and teaching lessons year after year at Dutch Fork. But he's that guy. He was in North Carolina, won a slew of state championships. Now he's come down here and is just dragging and tagging football teams and licking them along the way. And every once in a while, you'll get a, a gas and he finds a way. <laughs> you know, you'll find a way. But now all of a sudden, you know, they get, the, the wheels kind of get back up and running and nothing's lost over there at, at a place like Dutch Fort, Abbeville. Abbeville's another one of those guys. Do you see Abbeville, though? I mean, there's certain schools that you know that I know they're not going to go outside the city limits, much less go out of the state. Abbeville is one of those guys. I just don't see them hiring a guy outside of the state of South Carolina because that's that's kind of one of those uh, quote-unquote widow boy schools, right?
7: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a small town. It's a football town where if you're from out of the state, you, you know, you probably don't know much about Abbeville. Probably never even heard of them. But if you grew up in South Carolina, like you know about the Panthers. You know about the A. Like You know what they're all about. So I think you're exactly – I think that's a school that would, you know, definitely get somebody from – from maybe not necessarily the area, but at least from the state who has, you know, has an understanding of what that school and what that program is all about, no doubt about it. And, of course, you got uh, Barnwell, one of those teams, too, that kind
2: of you wouldn't see them having it. And I don't think Saluda would. That's kind of an interesting thing, though. I mean, that you start to think about it, um, you know, and it's, uh, again, a, a, an interesting conversation. Let's talk a little bit deeper into the high school realm as well. Man, so much has changed since our days. I believe you grew up in the Florence area. I grew up, of course, in Myrtle Beach, so we're kind of that PD-Grand Strand connection there. Of course, 501 connected us. But football's changed a little bit. it feels like to me, and you guys are seeing it maybe too, that football's a 24-7, 365 gig, man. And I've seen more 707s. They're traveling all the time. Things are just changing dramatically. And it seems like these football helmets never really get put away or reconditioned, if you will, which they do, because that's a, that's, a, that's something, that's a rule. But doesn't it feel like this year, even more than last year, that there's just, they're still playing. We're still covering them. They're still not in downtown. There's not as much of a dead period. Even that you see in college, it seems like they're just always
7: on the road, literally. You're exactly right. You know, we actually interviewed Coach Nigel Pearson at Spring Valley, um, came out this week. He said the exact same thing. He's like, you know, football's a year-round job now. I mean, you know, like you said, Richie, growing up, You know, the seven-on-seven stuff wasn't really big. Like, you know, recruiting wasn't as year-round as it is now. And then, obviously, the stuff with the transfer portal now happening at the – basically at the high school level, I mean, you got to be talking to your kids all the time. Like, you can't afford to take a break. Um, It has really become a year-round gig because, you know, and obviously on top of that, weightlifting, that kind of – those programs, strength programs, once again, you know, growing up for us, it was, all right, you're going to lift weights in the summer heading into football – you know, you may do a little bit, you know, during the year, basketball, baseball, whatever, but it wasn't near as uh, year-round as it is now. It's become a full-time 365 gig for sure for all these guys. It definitely is, is we're hanging out real quick and hanging uh, around, the course
2: of course, the fellas that's moving the chains and Kevin. Kevin, how many times have you – there's another famous Kevin Thomas. If you Google Kevin Thomas, there's two guys that come up, the guy on the phone and the guy that runs the Wendy's, right?
7: <laughs> o- o- Uncle Dave, I like to
2: call him. You know the Uncle okay, okay, Dave, Dave yeah. Thomas out there.
7: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's funny when I was when I was going through my notes, I'm writing down Kevin Thomas. I was like, man, is that? That'd be cool. That's crazy, man. But uh, so when you start to look at it, the other part of coaching has even gotten even crazier when it comes down to the uh, what coaches have to do. Used to be, coaches used to have to help these kids recruit to colleges. Now they got to recruit their kids to stay on campus at their own high school. By the way. I mean, we're seeing these kids now, Kev, they're literally making graphics as if they are transferred from the University of South Carolina to Clemson or Clemson to South Carolina or whatever it is. It's almost like they're college kids now making like five-star graphics, bro, talking about appreciate my time, want to thank all my coaches, the fans, the band, and that dude that shows up every time in the corner. Don't know you, but see you, appreciate you, bro, but I'm taking my talents to Ashy Ridge or wherever it is, right? I mean, isn't that crazy to me? And when does, when does the school – when does the high school league look into this going, okay, that's, that's just different? Something's, something's not matching up right. I mean, recruiting within a system has always been high school. I don't care what anybody says. Ever since I was a young guy, I can tell you coaches came up to me and would ask me, hey, is there any interest? You think you ever want to cross the border and come over here? Whatever, whatever the case may be. And when I say border, I mean county lines and so on and so forth to go play at different high schools. But the way these kids are going about doing it, and everything is like a you've got to be validated now, and that's the generation now, by the way, thanks to social media.
7: Isn't that weird to you to see these kids tweeting out? You're exactly right. You know, we can say that it used to not happen all we wanted to, but, of course, you know, it did. It was just maybe covered up a little bit more. Uh, Now they're kind of, like you said, announcing it, which is wild to see. Uh, You know, I, I guess some of the rules have changed as far as you know, being able to get eligible at different schools and whatnot, but it, it is unreal. I mean, you know, growing up, like you said, you heard stories about one big program may have gotten a kid from a smaller school or whatever it was. You know, you like, you know, you look at like Friday Night Lights back in the TV show, the movie, and how those kind of guys got moved around a little bit. And you always knew what some of that stuff happening, but now it's almost, like I said, celebrated. Rich, I mean, you know, they're like they're putting out the graphics right. about it, and they're super pumped about it. It's it's a totally different ball game, um, and I, I don't know what you do if you're in the high school league. I mean. I, I know you've got rules in place to somewhat curtail that, but I don't know how far you can go if you, I mean, to really stop it. Because I think you know the kids that want to move, want to go play somewhere else. They will find a way to make it happen. What you know, some, make some kind of legitimate move over there and things like that. But um, it's just funny how sometimes the high school league does want to get involved, and then other times they don't. Right. I mean, you know, you look last year at the, the Blackwood Ridgeview, at the, at the Ridgeview situation. Excuse me, with that kid there where they hop in and now all of a sudden Ridgeview, who's, you know, undefeated, or sorry, has has one loss on the year, has to forfeit all their games. But then, like you said, this summer we're seeing posts about kids, you know, putting up graphics about going to this school or this school. So, it's just a kind of weird dynamic that that has to be – there's got to be some kind of uniform ruling on it, I feel like, and it needs to be all kind of governed the same way, which seems to not be the case at, at the moment. Right.
2: Hanging out with the one and only Kevin Thomas moving the chains group over here with us, partnering up with us this year. We are excited about this partnership with you guys going forward as we'll uh, kind of be working together on both of our networks kind of helping provide uh, as much information, but also kind of promote our young kids, our young athletes, and just kind of uh, try to touch all the bases, if you will, or go end zone to end zone, if you will. Uh, you know, the other thing that I wonder, though, Kev, is you talk about these uh, – and these kids are tweeting it out. When is it – when does the commissioner, who I – again – We've been fortunate to have him on the show. Love to have him back on and may try to get him before the, the season starts. When does he look at it? And, and where is that a red flag when a coach, let's say I tweet out, I'm taking my talents to Dutch Fork. I want to thank everybody at airport for everything, but I'm doing this, that, and the other. Then a coach at Dutch Fork or the school that I'm going to responds to the tweet that I tweet, right? Or goes in and you see a comment in there. Is that a, is that a gray area? So there's, Like you mentioned, it's funny how we we pay attention to what we want, but we close our eyes when we need to. And you see that. It happened during COVID, and it's happened last year. And all I want is uniformity. Like, just be transparent with me. What's the rules? That's the rules. That's what we do. That's where we go. And I just feel like there's certain schools that have different type of rules, right? There's a class A, class B, and a class C. And wherever you fall in there is how much seriousness we give the attention to where we go with it.
7: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that, that's all you can ask for is everybody, to be, is everybody to be treated the same way. I mean, that's all you can all you can ever ask for. Um, and it, it does seem like it's sometimes that's certainly not the case. So you know, whether it comes to violations or you know what, whatever it is, certain schools seem to get a little bit different deal than some other ones do, which you hate to see. Um, but yeah, yeah, the high school league it, it's always a you know a huge point of contention. No matter if you're talking about the charter school stuff, or talking about just regular transfers, or talking about you know punishments or we're at old state championships or whatever it is, they're always going to be under fire, always going to get a, get a bad rap there. Um, and, and people just want to, you know, obviously people care much about football. They want it to be right. They want it to be done right here in the state. So I think that that's all you can hope for is that everybody kind of gets treated the same way and kind of, and kind of goes under the same umbrella of rules. We'll definitely be watching that going forward as we
2: hit July. Now July is kind of a little bit the next couple of weeks kind of slow down for a lot of schools. And then, about mid-July, it's game on until about January, so we're all getting ready to crank up, and of course, that's why you hear us back up, and the light's red, and we're on the air and everywhere across the, uh, not only the country, but worldwide, thanks to the web, but now let me ask you this before we get you out of here, man. This is always kind of a running question, a tabled conversation for us here on the show for, since we started this. It seems like the lower state does extremely well in the spring sports. You know, this side of 95, man, you can catch championship trophies being handed out, state championship trophies handed out down here. But when it comes to the fall, it seems like that upstate, that upstate's got it, man. I mean, now that, of course, Dutch Fork's in the upstate for, for the time being, I don't think they'll stay there. But what? where is the cutoff, man? I mean, it, it just seems like there's such a huge difference. I mean, you saw the state championship games, right? You saw Abbeville and Oceanside. You saw Dutch Fork and Fort Dorchester, right? Uh, you know, thanks for for, of course, buford which is here in the low country they won a state championship and right one home but what's your thoughts on the difference when it comes to the, it just seems like they're just there's there's somewhere of a separation that the lower state is a little bit behind the upper state when it comes to, to to competition or at least being able to be competitive in the state championship games
7: that's a great question um obviously don't have a you know a 100 percent answer for it on that one um I've, I've always I've always kind of thought of it, you know, growing up where I did kind of in that Florence Marion area where it seemed like the lower state had a really good lower classification, like a, you know, 1A, 2A, even some 3A football down there. And then the upper state seemed to have, you know, more in the 4A, 5A ranks. Um, and this year it kind of changed a little bit, you know, because Christchurch was able to pick off the 1A state title there, and then Abbeville get the 2A as well. So I don't know if it's just maybe just more schools, so you just have more more opportunities up here in the upper state or, or what it is, but that has been a very funny dynamic. I think two years ago I think Upper State won four out of five state titles and then last year I think it was three out of five. So Upper State is certainly uh taking home a few more trophies right now. But I, I like what some of those lower state guys are doing. You know, obviously you knew South Florence last year, big winners in four A and then Bufort there in three A. Yeah, South Florence Oceanside, right. you know, building some good things there in two A. So I think the lower state's definitely uh on the way up because on top of that you got guys like you know camden dylan obviously fort d and somerville are, are playing good football right now it seems like so i think the lower right. state is building some building some uh, uh some good programs down there that will hopefully compete for state titles in, in the next couple years and maybe flip that over to three and two uh, in their favor hopefully yeah you're exactly right South Florida did do their thing of course with uh
2: the, that, that big-time quarterback they got over there of course you mentioned camden right camden's always right there with them Dylan, the bad boys of Dylan, doing it always. North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach and hartsville's always kind of been kind of competitive. You stay on here to the Low Country. You mentioned at fourteen. You got Somerville. Watch out for Goose Creek this year. They did go get Joey Steele from Fort. He was an offense. He's the offensive line coach now over at Goose Creek. That's going to be a big addition. And like I mentioned at Berkeley, you've got what you got. And I'm going to tell you, this kid Yannick Smith, the wide receiver at Somerville. Uh you could see the green wave. They got a quarterback. Talk about transfer. They did get a quarterback from Hanahan. They got the linebacker from uh, Stratford. The kid can jump out of a gym. He was at one of the camps about three weeks, three months ago, and he was impressive. I mean, just so for his size to do what he did I thought was impressive. Uh, so those are some schools, and you're right, they're well on their way. And the only thing that I will say that I think that does separate, my, my only thing I can think of is that we've got a lot of schools that keep getting cut. They don't cut them up there like that. And if they do, they control where they cut the lines at. And I think that's a big difference. I mean, if you imagine if Somerville didn't get cut and it stayed big the way it was and didn't have to give talent to Fort D and to Ashley Ridge, how good would the bill be? Or how good would it have been the other two schools be if they had it, right? And now when you get it like a Coach Holloman, Devontae, who, of course, coached high school ball, has the state championship, and he upstate up there at his former high school. And then, of course, coached for the Gamecocks, played for the Gamecocks, played for the Cowboys. Now he's at this – skis a school right around the corner from somerville let's be honest man if i'm a baller i'm gonna go play for that guy all i need is some film to put on twitter or to put on somewhere and i can get recruited and you by the way devontae Holliman, can help me so that's another challenge that we can talk about the next time we get you in uh but there are so many different things that we can peel this onion back and we're going to do that kevin for the rest of july and getting into august and have you guys kind of come in on our shows like we're going to join you as well and uh, kind of cross over. But, Eugene, I know there was a question you and I were talking about that we wanted to get uh, brought in as well before we cut him. So, uh, go ahead, Eugene.
3: Yeah, man. Uh, one of the things that's been just completely beaten, you know, kicked down the road and brought up again, put back on the table and then kicked down the road is, you know, you mentioned, you know, when, when the recruiting thing came up, you know, and, and getting to uniformity, the charter schools. Um, having i coached at a charter school i coached at oceanside for five years um going into my second season at james island now uh which james island is a hybrid traditional slash charter school um one of the things i have really dug into um in reading uh and talking with ian garron and reading his articles on this and i know coach smitty uh was also involved in that article as well um when people say there's uniformity i think they're looking at the first tree and not the whole forest. And what I mean by that is there are so many schools. Um, so, like James Island, we, we have a charter because we have the only IB program in the county. Uh, Ayner. Aynor has the only IB program in all of that county, even though they're, I think, Ayner's still 3A. That means they can get players for the entire county. Uh, South Florence has now added an arts program. So, now South Florence can get kids from the entire county you got schools like um, Dutch Fork who have the ability to pull from both Richland and Lexington counties because they're in that magical unicorn Rich Lakes district. Uh, schools like Greer who've been, you know, foray, a Greer, uh, what is it, early college, they're also charter. So when people start talking about, well, you know, the, the, the gray and Oceanside, they need a 1.5 multiplier, in my opinion, if you're going to make it fair – and for it to stand any legal challenges, because it's going to fail unless you do the same application to all schools that have some type of uh, zone-busting um, built-in uh, that allows them to, you know, outside their traditional district, I think you have to apply it to all. And if you apply it to all, then what are you going to do, let's say, to a 4A school? Do they become 5.5? We don't have 5.5. You have five. So they move up one. Then what do you do when you look at the 5A schools? There are some 5A schools that can sign kids, or I say sign, can um, enroll kids from around the entire county because they have uh, an agricultural program or they have an arts program or they have a theater program. And those kids are actually eligible to play because it's a county-wide, you know, you enter the the quote-unquote portal in February and once you're accepted admission, you know, enroll in June. So then, what do you do with the 5A schools that also have these zone busting built-ins? Do we create a, a 6A just for those guys? It, it just for me when I when I see this talk about you know making it fair and uniform and people throw out charters, I think they're only looking at for example that you know the the um, Oceanside and Gray and Atlantic and a couple others. When in fact you have all the way from 2A to 5A schools. To have the same charter built-in advantages, and no one's really
7: discussing those. I think you're exactly right. You know, that's been something that I've said all along. Is like, First off, like, you can't blame the charter schools or anything like that for what's going on right now because they're all playing within the rules. Like, that's, you know, the rules that are set forth or what they're playing by. Um, you know, something has to be done at a higher level. But like you said, Eugene, there's so many different schools with either a magnet program or a charter or whatever it is um, i, I don 't know what you do with some of those coming I mean, because people obviously like you said talk about more of the, the sports academy side with like a gray or, or an ocean side or you know even coming in Atlantic or a mountain view here down the road or guys like that that 's a uh that's a it 's a very difficult question i 'm glad i'm glad, uh, glad that 's not on my plate to figure out <laughs> i don 't know how you do it exactly because like you said there is a kind of a different level of things like that where if you apply it to everybody you know then then you get some real problems at the at the upper level as well so I don't know what the answer to that is. Uh, I know folks at the lower classifications are really upset about it, obviously, and I understand at the 1A and 2A level what's going on there. But that's a, that's a tough one for me. Um, but I mean, everybody knows that something has to be done. What that answer is, I honestly don't know for you guys. Well, yeah, yeah. And the other
3: thing, uh, you know, one thing I found interesting too um, is, you know, another advantage is schools that implement these uh, football classes. You know, and again, like you said, you know, with certain rules not defined, um, it allows uh, open interpretation. Uh, I know for you know, we have a football class, and our guys use it for weightlifting. Um, it helps to have it at the last period of the day, uh, especially during the fall, because you know you get ready for practice or or the early travel, you know, for away games. Um, we don't use it for this, but I do know several schools around the state that actually use their football class basically as a year-round practice. Like, they actually put on pads. But because the class ends before 3.30, it's not in violation of an illegal practice. That's that's just wild to me. And, uh, again, you know, I think the state, if we're going to have a high school league that's going to be, you know, the governing body, I really think there needs to be some very strong um, tightening up of some of the rules and really defining things, and like you said, mentioned earlier, there needs to be a uniform, an actual uniform discipline policy that applies to everyone equally. Uh, You know, you can't have a school running illegal practices during COVID with, uh, you know, the ball-throwing machines, and nothing happened to them. And then another school, um, I remember uh, two summers ago, they wore girdles under their biker shorts at a 707 and and got docked, uh, you know, a couple of days of practice and a fine. So, you know, I, again, I just think that there really needs to be some actual concrete things that all of this stuff, how we get there again, you and I won't figure that out for sure.
7: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. Um, obviously, the, the high school league board gets a lot of crap all the time. And, and, I, and I guess, you know, technically their whole thing is to just enforce the rules that the coaches and the guys like that and the schools have put into place. But it, it just seems like every time something's brought in front of them, they just don't have an answer. They're like, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. I have to go vote on this at a later date, and this and that. You, you would like to see there be some more actual action a lot of times for, for me. You know, every time I see one of these – meetings come across where, hey, you know, this Wednesday is going to be uh, some kind of uh, appeals committee or whatever in front of the high school league. It's it's always basically just vote with whatever's going on. There's no ever, like, you know, real action taken to, to rectify anything. It's just whatever was, was said originally, they're just going to go with that because they don't want to cause a whole uproar. So we'd like to see some more uh, maybe accountability on that side to see them kind of take the lead doing this, doing some of these things. But um, that's, you know, I guess that's a, that's a story for another day for sure.
2: All right, so we're wrapping it up here with, of course, uh, the man, the myth, and the legend with moving the chain. That's the one and only Kevin Thomas here. Eugene, of course, uh, those are great topics too, Eugene, because I'm going to tell you something. That's something, guys, that we we will continue to try to figure out. You know, And, Kevin, you mentioned something just now, buddy, that some of these, I, I guess they just have to check boxes or they just go through a list, man. I, I know during COVID it seemed like I got more in tuned on watching their <laughs> watching their lives and. and and listening to the the board meetings and all that stuff with the high school league and some of the stuff that they go through, it's just, it's interesting. And a lot of stuff they'll they'll, they'll say no to, and then the other guys will appeal it, and then you already know they're going to come back and say okay to it, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it works, and that's kind of an ongoing conversation, man, as we uh, look forward to getting you back in here with us uh, here maybe next week, matter of fact, if you guys have time or if you want to send one of the other guys as well. It depends, you know, however you guys want to do this. We just want to keep you guys in with us weekly, if you don't mind, so that you guys can uh, kind of go back and forth with us. Uh, me and Eugene, of course, Coach Smitty's in with us as well, so there's a lot of conversation because what we want to do is, like you said, we want to educate and entertain, uh, you know, our, our audience, but also kind of give them an opportunity to learn what high school sports in the state of South Carolina is all about. That being said, what's the plan for you guys this year? You got to do anything new this year? What's kind of the, uh, the timetable for you guys to start putting gas in the car and taking some trips?
7: Yeah, well, we're looking at some new ideas. You know, obviously right now we've got kind of our new coaches interview series going on. We had uh, one drop with Spring Valley coach Nigel Pearson last. We've got a couple more next week coming out with the new guy at North Augusta and at Wren. So we've got a lot of that stuff popping off. And then obviously the season rolls around. We'll start with our, you know, preview shows and the recap shows on the weekend. So that'll be fun as well. Uh, One thing I tell you we're doing, Richie, love to get you guys to hop on with us. Um, We're going to start doing some Twitter spaces on Friday night. You know, basically – what it can be is pretty much, a, you know, a live radio call-in show. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Twitter Spaces at all, but you can hop in there and anybody can request to speak and chat. So I'd love to get some different fans and coaches in there to kind of talk about their game afterwards and have people just kind of tune in there instead of a traditional radio show. So that's something we're going to work on building up. I think it could be really cool because we can kind of get some guys from all across the state, not just, you know, a certain area wherever that signal is located. So that gives us some different uh, leeway with that stuff as well. Well, I know Eugene will be on the sideline.
2: Chris Smitty will be on the sideline. I will be on the sideline, but I won't be talking football. Well, I won't be coaching football, but I'll definitely jump in there with you guys, man. That'll be a lot of fun. I can kind of help you guys out here in the lower state, the lower part of the state, if you will, in the low country, like you and I talked about off the air. So I guess we can kind of let the cat out of the bag there. So that's something that we'll be doing coming up this uh, this year. That'll be fun, man. Definitely want to be a part of that. And uh, I want to say this to you now, and we will continue. Please plug in. Do anything we can to help you guys uh, on and off the air. But uh, thank you for what you do, right? Uh, The hours away from your families to go take care of other families, be it that you guys get interviews or you spend three hours in a football field while your family's spending time at home if they don't go with you. And a lot of times they don't. um, You know, we appreciate what you're doing uh, because, again, it's a very, um, I guess, overlooked what we do off the air or off whatever grid we're on because the work we do before we get to where we're going is the toughest part of the job that we do. Hitting play or getting on the air, that's easy. It's the preparation to get to that point is the hard part. So, thank you guys for what you're doing, brother.
7: I appreciate that, Richie. Uh, same to you. You know, you guys do a great job. And like you said, uh, a lot of times people don't understand what all goes into the side of for sure. So, definitely appreciate the kind words. and look forward to doing some stuff with you here moving forward. All right, Kevin, before we get you out of here,
2: brother, give us a heads up, man. How do we find you on social media? How do we catch up with you, man? And uh, give
7: us the rundown of what day
2: your show is airing over there, of course, on y'all's network.
7: For sure. Uh, every social media platform, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it's all Move and Change. It's dot com. Our website, com, has all of our links as well on there. Uh, this week with it being a holiday week. Not sure what day we're going to be popping things off, uh, you know, with that Tuesday, July 4th makes it a little bit tough. So we'll see what the schedule is for this week. We always try to kind of post an event reminder on Twitter and Facebook a day or two before, so you'll kind of know when things are coming out. But definitely tune in to us there, like I said, com as well. So check us out on there for all of our cool stuff we got going on this summer for sure.
2: Should be a good time. I'll catch up with you off the air, but on the air, we appreciate you, buddy, and look forward to it, man. This is – uh. This is it, man. We'll give you the helmet sticker. We'll pull off the old rookie stripe, and we'll get this thing up and running, Kevin. Thanks again for you, all your guys, man. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th. Stay safe and uh, stay hydrated, and we'll catch up with you next time, buddy. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, fellas. All right, guys. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the first of many interviews with the guys from Moving the Chains. Moving the Chains, of course, does a great job, guys. He and his crew travel around the state of South Carolina from the upstate so the lower state, he and I have talked off the air about working together, getting our two teams to make one team, right? And that's what we just did there, and we're looking forward to going and growing together. Uh, of course, Eugene, of course, is a football coach over there at James Island, so he doesn't have the the, the flexibility on Friday nights. Of course, Coach Smitty's doing his thing over there, of course, uh, at his football field and his team and uh, the King Street. He doesn't have it, but I do, and I am going to help those guys out. They're going to help us out. We're going to grow together, know together, and help our young athletes be, of course, uh, talked about going forward. So, uh, Eugene, I know we – good stuff there, man. Good interview. These guys are very good. They're very informative. Uh, They bring a lot of uh, information. Their direction, very similar to ours. Their attitude and their their work ethics, very similar to ours. And, um, you know, it's just fun to see guys do it the way that they're doing it because we do, right? We see guys doing it. And uh, we sometimes find ourselves shaking our head a lot more than less.
3: Yeah, man, Uh, it actually looks like we got a – hold on one second. Let me check back in the green board. We got the phone on. Oh, we have got the man, the myth, the legend, who's calling in from Charlotte in the green room. Uh, Just didn't want to leave him uh, hanging. So if you want, Rich, uh, we'll hit the quick break and uh, we'll we'll bring the big guy in. I know he's going to want to tell us what's going on that we are, as well as some other things I saw popping in Charlotte with some uh, ESPN and, and things like that. Um, so uh, we got Reginald Walker Jr. sitting
2: in the green room, and we're
3: ready to get rolling, Bub. All
2: right. So what we'll do is we'll hang tight here. We'll go to a break here, in just about two minutes. Double check that green room. I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's him or not, unless you've already reached over there to him. Uh, coming up here in hour number two, we do change the conversation. We get into the baby Gronk conversation with what's happening there. Of course, if you haven't heard, Rob Gronzowski, of course, has put a, a cease and desist on the father of David Gronk because of the situation that's kind of happened with the calling him 50 times and, and using a name similar to him. And it's just kind of weird, ironic, kind of uncomfortable uh, conversation there. Uh, and then, of course, the big deal that happened at ESPN yesterday. They cut 20-plus big names. I mean, former athletes uh that were NFL football players and some guys and some ladies that actually have really done wow. an incredible job kind of putting into the, got the uh, uh,
7: to the
3: rich we got the Raging tiger or Ricky Sapp in the green room i saw the 704 oh, I and you. I just thought yeah 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 so uh I, we I got, got we got uh, the five star the five star sitting in the green room man we don't you know we try not to leave those five stars sitting there too long
2: So what we'll do, we'll hit a break. at this top of the hour, so we'll do that. We'll come back when we do. Ricky Snap is joining us here. Of course, a former Clemson Tiger All-American. He, of course, played in the league, in the NFL. He's back on campus, shaking it, doing it, hanging out with the Tigers, but working in that weight room. We're going to talk to him about the conditioning part of what they do up in Tigertown and what he's done since his days, of course, of playing at Clemson, how it's changed a little bit. He was a big-time recruit in the state of South Carolina so for the Tigers, when they got him and a few other dogs from his backyard, that was a big deal. And we're going to talk about that and much more. As we take a quick break, we come back. We'll catch up with the one, the only, as is Mr. Ricky Sapp right after this, guys.
6: I know this. I'm the most animated coach that you've probably ever seen when my team's playing. I go watch my kids play, I don't say boo. I don't wave my arms. I don't try to with all due respect to most parents out there, I probably know more about basketball than most of them. Okay? But I sit in the stands and I don't say a word. There's two guys refereeing a fourth grade game on a Sunday morning. What can they possibly be making? Twenty bucks a game? I used to do that. I used to make twelve dollars for ten and under Fifteen for fifteen and under, and seventeen or eighteen bucks for uh, high school age kids. Okay, so on a Sunday morning, instead of being in church, those guys are out there trying to make a couple bucks to pay their bills, feed their families. Do you think they really care what fourth grade team wins? Do you really think that they like sat at home and said, oh, I can't wait to officiate that game tomorrow. Team, I can't wait to get that ten year old kid and embarrass them in front of people. Do you really think that's what they're doing? I don't try to tell my kid how they should play. You know what I tell my two boys when they come ask me? Wait, wait. Why are you asking me, man? I didn't run your practice. Go talk to your coach. But uh, don't talk about your coach in front of me, man. Because if you are, then you're not playing basketball. You don't understand why you didn't play better? Go talk to your coach. I'm not your coach. I'm your dad. Somebody disrespects you, then I'm here. If you fail, good, deal with it. I'm going to help you get up. But don't come talk to me about coaching. I, I do this for a living, man. I'm not going to criticize a guy that's trying to help you. And then the other part.
1: Welcome to Southern Sports Central. Your source for all things sports. With your host, Richie Altman.
5: Richie Altman.
1: And Eugene Bitton taking your call at
0: 323-784-9681.
1: Now, let's join Richie in the studio.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Hour two is rolling, and we're rolling right in to the man. Ricky Sapp has joined us here all the way from Tigertown up there in Clemson, former NFL outside linebacker, assistant, straight, and conditioning coach for the Clemson football Tigers over there. Of course, a big-time motivational speaker and founder of Ricky Sapp Foundation. What's going on, big man? It's been a minute. Glad to have you back with us, brother. Man, good morning. Good morning. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I pray you're doing well.
8: <laughs>
2: man, I tell you, dude, you and I, of course, uh, I, I remember the days when you and a, another former Tiger, Mr. Daquan Bowers was living at the beach, right? Okay. We were balling at the beach, hanging out on sidelines and talking things and getting to know one another. And I knew at that moment, man, that you were a five-star dude. You were, of course, and, uh, your teammate and one of your best friends there, of course, and Daquan, but, uh, it's so good to see mm-hmm. you doing what you do on and off campuses and around the high school campuses. And you're just a five-star guy, man. You're you're a great athlete, but you're an even better person.
8: I think that's kind of the story that people don't know about the Ricky Sapp. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot, man. Uh, definitely so excited to uh, be back on your show, man. And uh, I miss you. I miss the beach as well, though.
0: <laughs>
8: <laughs> I bet
2: you do, man. Y'all got what? Was it Lake Hartwell that's up there, man? I mean, that. Fresh water is one yeah, thing, yeah. but you can't beat the saltwater life, right? <laughs>
8: no, nah, you can't beat be that. No. No.
2: So, so you come from a small town, USA. We were just on here with the guys from Moving the Chains, and, and of course, Frank Thomas, who's uh, one of the owners over there. There there's certain small schools, and, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's this little area just outside of, like, the Orangeburg and, uh, you know, past Charleston area that's got some pretty daggum good athletes over there, man, that puts out some talent. After year, after year, after year, that hometown is your town, man. What's it like coming from the small town, high school football kind of thrives and drives on Friday nights like you did, and seeing the success you've had from high school to college, to going into the pros, to going into your own, and now here you are back on the campus of Clemson, man. Tell us a little bit about your hometown and, and what it means to you to be from, of course, the bright lights of Bamberg.
0: Man, we
8: call Bamberg the 51st state, man. That's, a, that's the 51st <laughs> state right there. <laughs> but <Boy. laughs> <laughs> but, you know man it's uh it was definitely to grow up in uh a city where you know everyone you know loved football so on on Friday nights, man, it was always amazing there to, to play under the lights play in front of that crowd, and uh you know in my opinion, when you come from a small town uh you have you know you have a little grit you know about you, it makes you work a little harder, and you know I, I tell kids man when I was growing up in the country, man, the only thing we had to, you know, that we could do was go outside and run, you know, go outside and run and play. Right. So I think growing up in that, you know, that small town and having that mentality, you know, I think that helped me, you know, become uh, a really good football player when I was in high school.
2: Hanging out with Ricky Sapp. Of course, uh, he is a big-time player and playmaker in the great state of South Carolina, one of the uh, – Guys, that is really, I'd say honest with you, man, you've kind of paved the way for a lot of young men, uh, not only from Bamberg, but across wow. the state on doing it, but doing it the right way. and Seeing that you've used the gift that God's given you, not only on the field, but off the field, man, your passion for helping the youth, which is what you and I can I connect together here, which is why I love having you in here, man, because you see your videos that you make, those uh, the dance-off moves that you've been doing, man, you were the most popular substitute teacher in the state of South Carolina. Hell, you were the most popular <laughs> substitute teacher in the country. <laughs> Do you miss those days, man? I know you love being in the gym back over there where you kind of did your thing at Clemson, but don't you miss those days of the handshakes and the conversations that you made with those young kids day after day?
8: Oh, man, well, I am passionate about the youth. It's it's uh, it's uh definitely my purpose in life, Um, kids and encourage kids. So, man, I miss it so much, man. You know, just being able to uh, be with the kids every day, being able to dance with them, you know, make them laugh. Um, but you know, now being with these college guys, I'm, you know, trying to do the same thing, dance and bring them energy. And you know, they 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 too cool for school. So you know, they laugh <laughs> and, and uh, they crack jokes with me. But uh, I definitely miss being a substitute teacher, man. It, it was definitely fun. Yeah, and you made
2: it fun as well. We're hanging out with the legend over there, Ricky Sapp from Bamberg, South Carolina, but he's back home up in Clemson. Of course, he is a former NFL outside linebacker, assistant strength, and conditioning coach for the Tigers up there, a national brand across the country. Him and Coach Dabo, of course, all doing things, and it starts in the weight room, right? This is when your season is in. It's always in, but isn't it really true? I mean, Ricky, tell us a little bit. Talk to the young athletes. How important is it to be in the gym right now and not be in the house? sucking up that AC, playing those video games. How is it going to help them being in the gym today, conditioning today, so that come August, September, November, December, it starts to really show then where you were back in July?
8: Well, I, I, I think you, and this is just my opinion, you cannot win without the weight room. You just can't, man. Um, football is such a, a, a physical, mental game. And I think when you when you – you work out and lift weights, it builds toughness, it builds character, and it builds that uh, mentality that, you know, hey, I'm ready to go out and and be aggressive and play um, and be successful. You cannot, you cannot, listen to me, young athletes, (laughs) you cannot expect to go out and and play football and think you're going to be able to compete on a high level if you don't lift weights. Again, lifting weights is going to build, it builds toughness, it builds character, and it's going to give you that uh, mentality that you can go out and be aggressive and and play the game. Now, one thing Coach Sweeney says that I love, he says that when it's when game day comes, it is too late. <laughs> it is too late, <laughs> you know. So 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 right now, man, you have you have the you have a little bit of time uh, to lift weights. So uh, y'all better get behind that doggone weight room, lift some weights. Hanging out with Coach Ricky Sapp. He is the assistant strength coach
2: and conditioning coach over there at Clemson for the Tigers, a national brand doing national things on and, of course, off the football field. Coach, talk to us about the, the, the nutrition part of it, right? So we get it. You get in there. You pump it out. You get a good sweat in. You do a few extra, few extra reps right before the, when that burn-in starts. But what is it about the nutrition part that's just as important as the lifting part, right, putting energy drinks and the wrong drinks, in your body, or putting the right things through your body to kind of help get your metabolism and the rest of your body to follow up after you get in the weight
8: room. Well, I think a great example of that is that is that if, if you're driving a Bentley, I don't think you're putting no, no regular gas in it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what I what I try to tell kids is, man, that you have to fuel your body with the right with, with with the right stuff, man, with the right things that's going to help you, you know, either gain weight or lose weight, feel good, look good. The nutrition is, is, is just as important as lifting weights. If you go in there and work out and don't put nothing in your body, then that's a waste of time. You know, one thing, again, the quote Sweeney said that I love is that we cannot out-train a bad diet. Just can't. We cannot train a bad diet. So if you're out there just lifting weights and thinking you gonna gain weight and have muscles and look pretty on Friday night and put all in your arms, it's not going to happen. So the nutrition uh, is, is is this is important. That's lifting weights. And it don't have to be hard, man. You just have to find, especially for young athletes, you have to find what you like and add some fruit in there, but you have to eat daily, you know, and get those protein shakes in. Coach Ricky
2: Sapp hanging out with us, talking about the nutrition part. Of course, he knows about that because he is one of the coaches over there in that weight and conditioning room that is very big right now. A lot of guys right now, of course, are in there. You see it more than ever. Thanks to your TikToks and thanks to a lot of your social media and their social media, you're seeing these weight rooms. Man, what a difference the weight room is from my days of being in the weight room in Columbia in November – or excuse me, in in the 90s compared to when you were in there in early 2000s, mid-2000s in Clemson. Man, now it's almost like going. It's like going into the this five star arena with nothing but opportunities from wall to wall. Right? Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about how things have changed in the weight rooms, not only by the weights we use,
8: but by the way we use them. Oh, it's different, man. <laughs> I mean, shoot, you 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 said it. Especially when I was young, I mean, we had a weight room, but man, nothing like how these high school and colleges have now. It's different, um, and you know, it's, but, but but it's good. Uh, it shows the growth and. The athletes are evolving each and every year. So, um, man, it's, 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 it's pretty cool to see what, you know, we have our athletes doing. And uh, I think the biggest thing for me is what I see is that how we make sure we are being, being, being careful as far as uh, teaching technique, uh, making sure we're doing really good mobility uh, before we throw them under the bench press and throw them under the, uh, the squat rack, you know, making sure that we are priming their bodies up um, before they lift. Man, I remember when I was younger. I don't, I don't remember anything about you know, warming up and, and making sure I'm ready to bench press and squat. Uh, of course, now I'm older now, so I got, I need a 30 minute warm-up before I lift some weights. But uh, it, it, it is cool to see how it has evolved. And uh, man, these these weight rooms are incredible. Hey, again, I'm with Coach
2: Ricky Staff, the weight and conditioning coach over for the Clemson Tigers. Of course, uh, Coach. Now we start to kind of. Look into this month of July. You guys are going to start hitting the full strength over there on the campus, right? What is the schedule sure. in the college atmosphere so these guys can kind of, in high school, kind of figure out the similarities of what they're doing to what they're going to be doing if they play in college? What kind of starts July 1 for you guys?
8: Well, for us, we'll we have two groups. Uh, we're, 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 we Normally what we do is we like to get um, the offensive guys uh, in early first. We'll start at about seven o'clock in the morning and then we we'll uh take a break and then we'll have uh what we like to call the big dogs, the D line, O line, they'll come in at one thirty. And uh that's all the work and lifting. So they're the they're, they're kind of uh long groups. Uh, we'll have that and we'll do that up until the end of July and then training camp hit, and then training camp hits and then this we hitting and then getting it. Hmm.
2: Talk about hitting it and getting a Coach. Now, when you got recruited back in the day, uh, things were a little different than it was now. Now, my God, the transfer portal, the NIL. Imagine if you had the NIL and social media. My God. Uh, and then you, you think of some of the other things, man. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts and your opinions when it comes to the recruiting side of things. And then how hard really – I mean, we think it's easier for the kids now, but I think it gives them more choices. And that's not always a good thing for a young high school athlete, as we've seen even when we were in that age.
8: I need some back pay. That's what I need for that for NIL. I need some
0: back pay. <laughs> I need some back pay. Uh,
8: <laughs> I, you know, uh, being that I played, you know, I, um, I think it's amazing that they, they are able to get those opportunities. I really do. And, you know, to your point, as far as all these options, that can be tough, man. And And if these kids don't have someone that's helping them and guiding them, it can be overwhelming. And, you know, these kids don't know what they don't know. So, of course, if they don't have, in my opinion, the best guidance and, and knowledge, you know, they're going to make some, you know, some decision that's not going to be the best decision. Um, now, I will say with the NIL, um, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging. Um, I think we're definitely going to have to figure out something as far as how can we regulate it. Uh, but I don't. I, I definitely don't think it's a stop, man. These, these kids deserve every bit of payment they can get. Um, and then with the transfer portal, Oh, man, I really don't know how I feel about it. I do think that the uh, the kids should have an opportunity to to leave and go get a better opportunity. Uh, so um, the transfer port is something that uh, I'm still thinking about. You know, uh, when I played, of course, man, we wouldn't even really thought about that. You know, of course, we, we saw people transfer, but it wasn't something that, uh, you know, was a big option for us or something to do.
2: And I, I think that's a good point, though, Ricky. though, when you look at it, coaches, is you, you, you see the way that it was when I played, right? Nobody transferred. The mm-hmm. guys that didn't transfer usually didn't play, right? We're not mm-hmm. seeing yeah. that now. I mean, I saw in another school in the state had their starting running back, starting running back, transferred to go to another school, similar initials. That's just unheard of to me. And I actually, it, it, it really bothered me, Coach, when I thought mm-hmm. about it because I thought, what kind of starter would leave a program to go to another program where you're not guaranteed to be the starter and you're in the SEC, or even if you're in the ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, doesn't matter, Coach. That, to me, shows you that now it's becoming more about the money part. And that's the one thing that I love about high school sports and I've always enjoyed about college sports. I agree with you as a former athlete as well. We do need to be kind of back some pay, but we also deserve mm-hmm. something more than just an education because last time I checked, those stadiums in Clemson – in Columbia and across the country are packed out. All right. So they're yep. not there to, to, to watch a spelling bee. <laughs> they're there to watch a football game. So if we're making you money, let's just be honest, you pay me at the job. I do nine to five over here. Now, why would you pay me for that job? So when you oh, think yeah. about it, what's your thoughts on seeing these guys who are starters or at least second team guys transferring now, it, that's the part that bothers me the most. I don't care that you leave. I just, it bothers me that it's becoming become more about money than it is about the passion.
8: Well, you know that's a that's a really this is a really good conversation, man. Because we me and one of my good friends was talking about that last night, and I tell you what he said. I think he made a good point. He said that in his opinion, he, now that these kids have the opportunity to get paid and so many NIL and social media deals, it's almost kind of like they don't really care to play football. They just care to. Mm. Um, get the NIL and have opportunities. And I, I'll just say this. I said, man, you know, I don't disagree. I think that's the issue we may run into, that these kids, we might, we may see more kids say, man, you know, what's the point of me trying to work hard and get to the NFL and when I can get as much as I can get in college and then go do something else? So, man, right. uh, I'm in a tough spot because I play college football, NFL, so I'm with my guys. Right. I'm with them. Pay yeah. them, pay them. But I, I just think that we have something different to to kind of regulate it.
2: Hagan out with the coach on campus over at Clemson. He is, of course, the conditioning and weight coach over there at Clemson. Glad to have him in here. Glad to have the Tigers on the radio with us. Glad to hear that uh, that voice coming from Tigertown up there in Clemson. And just getting to know uh, Mr. Ricky Sapp that I know from the big bright lights of Bamberg. I mean, you know, this guy is oh, yeah. as humble as it comes and probably one of the biggest hearts that you'll find uh no matter where. I mean, I tell you what, man, it's always a pleasure to get you in here and have you on the radio. I do want to catch up with you because you always go back home and do a camp. I don't know if we've missed it yet, but we want to, before I catch you, uh, get you back to what you were doing earlier, um, I want to get you an opportunity to plug what you do there in Bamberg. But the last thing I want to talk to you about is this. And, and this, again, uh, this, is, this is something that I'm concerned about in high school, excuse me, college football, and that is these kids sitting out for bowl games right now with NIL now with all this other stuff, you saw some guys sitting out for the national championship, man. That's a concern to me. I mean, that's where I'm starting to worry that we're changing too much too fast and we're losing some of what college football, what makes college football amazing and good and great and all the other stuff that we like to label it. It's changing, man. And I don't know if it's all changing for
8: the better. Yeah. You know, that's, that's rough, man. And in my opinion, if if we are we 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 on the football team and we playing our last game together, brother, you got to play, man. I mean, I understand the NFL, the NIL, but man, we got to play, man. And you know, I'm gonna just say this: if 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 I was in that that space where if even if I had some represent, uh, somebody representing me that said, hey, you probably want to pull out in your last game, i would probably say no, I can't do that because I uh, I've been with my brothers for four years. And uh I owe it to them, you know. And I owe it to myself right. to finish my career, you know, playing football. You know? I couldn't imagine doing that at Clemson, man. I really couldn't, man. Just missing my last game. I don't give a thing if I was the first pick. You know, um, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do that. That's just my opinion. Well
2: I and I agree with you and I and again that speaks volumes to you as a man, as you as a person, right, as a teammate. Again, you see this happening week after week, but uh you know, when we look at it, there's just so many things that, that, you know, when you go through magazines, anything from ups and downs, they're talking NIL. They're talking different things when it comes to transfer portals. And now, the, of course, NCAA is trying to – they're trying to get their hands back around it because some new things have kind of come out where, by the way, uh, Coach Smitty actually over uh, talked to me about this yesterday, that it looks like they're going to have unofficially – I mean, are, you can take as many official visits as you want. Back in my day, it was five. I think it was five at your yeah, day wow. too. But I think they're they're getting ready to go – yeah, but you. I think you can go to different campuses, but you can go to as many as you want and have an official visit. I know they're also looking yeah. at minimizing the transfer portal to NIL. They're trying to say, look, per state it's different, so you need to pay attention to the rules. So there is some, some growing pains, if you will, um, so we we'll would be interested to kind of keep you back in here if you don't mind. And not only talk about the nutrition guy, matter of fact, I'll make you our official nutritionist over here at Southern sports <laughs> central, man. I'll get you some, some swag and stuff like that. If you'll help us out, kind of keep our young athletes in high school prepared as they get ready for oh. that next step to college. But, uh, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd love to have you to a regular kind of deal here with us, man. Oh man. Let me know. I would love to brother. brother. way I can help the youth. Hey, that's what we're about now talking to the youth and transition quickly before we get you out of here. Uh, when you going back home, dude? I know it's about that time to do your big thing over in Bamberg. Uh, you got the camp coming up. Uh, did we miss it? Was it in June or is it coming up in July or how's that working out this year?
8: Well, right now I'm trying to work on having it in July and I always have it in my hometown in Bamberg and I uh, always get an NFL cheerleader. I always get an NFL guys and uh, we always try to do a great job for those kids in Bamberg. Well, do us a
2: favor. Tag us. Call us. We'll put you back on the air. We want to get them educated because it's not that far a trip. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to bring a few microphones and a couple of us and come up and hang out with you and put a show together. And we'll come to you live from the bright lights and uh, hang out with the guys All over up. in Bamberg that, that day.
8: Man, that would be great, brother.
2: Gotcha. So we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Rick. It means a lot. I want you to know I'm proud of you, man. I saw the excitement through your text and through your tweet when you reached out and told not only them, but you and I kind of went back and forth when you got that call to come home to go back to Mm -hmm. a town that helped grow you as a man, right? Not only Bamberg, but Clemson had a Mm -hmm. big hand in making you the man you are as well. Um, I'm just so proud of you, brother, to, to put a goal together, to not stop until you got to that goal, to do what you do week in and week out. You get to wake up every morning on a campus that I know that is a very, very, very special place. And you get to be surrounded by a guy that we here at Southern Sports Center have a lot of respect for, and that's Dabo Sweeney, of course, and the way that he's doing things.
8: Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. That means a lot. Thank you.
2: So we appreciate your time, man. We look forward to catching up with you soon. How do we find you, man? You're not you're not doing as much on the social web as you were, I know. Uh, but but how, uh, how do we find you? How do we keep up with you, man? And what's going on coming up soon in the uh,
8: – the, the the land of the Ricky Sapp uh, on the media world. Oh man, you can find me on Instagram. I am uh, on Instagram. I'm the the dance and motivational speaker. I have that as well. I have my regular Instagram RSAP Foundation. I'm on Facebook Ricky Sapp. I'm on Twitter Sapp Nine One. I'm on TikTok the Dancing Weight Room Coach. And I dance Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you guys can check me out, check this out. I also have my own podcast. It's called the Talk Timmy Tuesday Podcast, and it's on Apple it, Spotify. It. Yeah, you guys can check me out,
2: man. I tell you what we'll do. We'll start giving you a good plug. I remember you were doing it there at Myrtle Beach. I didn't know if you had the time to continue to do it because I knew, of course, mm. that uh, you, know, yeah. you just have a lot more responsibility now, man. You're in charge of a lot of a lot of tigers walking through that weight room. So I'm sure that when they're not hydrated, you're the first guy they mm. go to. Going, hey, I gave them to you. What did you do?
8: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. Well, buddy, appreciate you, man. God bless you. Stay safe. Reach out. I'll catch up with you off the air. But I do want to say thank you so much we taking time on a Saturday morning to hang out with us all the way from Clemson and Tigertown. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, a quick break. But we do want to thank the folks over at Clemson University, the Tigers, of course, for allowing uh, Mr. Staff to join us. Of course, uh, Ricky is one of the five-star guys that have come out of our uh, Palmetto State that continues to do big things in our state. Of course, he comes from the big bright lights of Bamberg, South Carolina, where Friday night football is a religion. It is a culture. It is a reality. I mean, the town shuts down and everybody comes in as the lights go on and the smell of the hot dogs and the hamburgers and the french fries start to kind of hit the air, and then there's a football game, right? Kind of like getting ready for church, if you will, on a Friday night. we got to go to break. When we come back? We're heading to Charlotte. The bus is on the way all the way across state lines into Charlotte. We'll hang out with Reginald Walker Jr., former Penn State football player. He does a lot of things in the media world in Charlotte. We'll talk some football with him right after this break, guys. Don't go anywhere.
1: Facebook and follow us on Twitter and give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Albin here live on Southern Force Central. And without further ado, let's bring him in. He's part of the pack, and he's back here with us today ready to roll. And that is the one and only Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr., buddy. What's going on, buddy? Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you with us and uh, talking a little bit of football here on a Saturday morning.
9: What's up, fellas? How's everything going? Good to be back. Appreciate you guys, man. I tell you, it's been uh, an interesting, interesting start of 2023. I mean, obviously, we're more than halfway in, but the first half of this year in sports as a whole, wow, what a year already.
0: Mm,
2: No doubt. And then, of course, today, Eugene brought it out as well. I mean now the new teams that are bouncing to different conferences, you see the, the alignments there. Liberty by the way, hanging out in conference USA. Of course they've got a new football coach and they're already doing some fun things on social media, but now you're starting to see some more chess pieces moving, right, Reggie? I mean, is it only time before we see these super duper mega conferences? Are we kind of working our way towards that?
9: Yeah, I think so, guys, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this on your show. Um it's something that I've mentioned on my show in Charlotte. Uh, the shutdown corner. Notre Dame is, they're changing their AD. We know that Jack Swarbrick has sort of been the guy, you know, steering the ship at Notre Dame for a lot of years, and obviously their independence has been key. Now it's come out that they're looking to triple their media rights deal uh, with NBC or potentially another partner. I don't see how that money is still there in the ether based on what money is going to the NFL from CBS and Fox and NBC and Amazon and all of that, and then what the Big Ten did, and then the ACC is coming, and the SEC is coming. All of these different deals. Guys, I'm going to say it right now. Speaking of super conferences, I think within the next five to seven years, we will see Notre Dame be forced to join a conference.
2: All right, I like that conversation. So where do you see – I know that crystal ball is over there sitting by you. Where do they land? Do they stay there? I don't see them going to the ACC. Why? Because of the fact that Clemson, Florida State – North Carolina, the blue blood of of the ACC, uh, doesn't want to stay around. Now, is is, well, is bringing in Notre Dame enough for them to stay though?
9: I think so because I think I think it would bring the kind of financial cachet from a media rights partner that would allow that conference to get closer to on par with what everybody else is doing. Now, that being said, the other piece of it is Notre Dame has always said their academic profile fits the ACC better than everybody else. Look, I'm not smart enough to sit here and tell you what their research levels are and all of those things because that's not my job. That's not what I understand. But uh, if they are saying that, I think there's some merit to that. I think it makes sense. I think it also allows them, you know, to align themselves in a way from a football standpoint because, look, I I respect Clemson and everything that they've done. It's, it's, you know, and and, and you look at Florida State and what they've been historically – Outside of that in the ACC, that is not a football conference, which is what Notre Dame would love, is to walk into a situation where they are at the top or near, very near the top in terms of the pecking order as it relates to football. Basketball, they know they're never going to be on the level of Duke and North Carolina, uh, you know, the Tobacco Road programs, and they get that. They're okay with that. So they'd be okay playing second fiddle on the basketball side of things, but understanding that they would be at or near the top from a football standpoint. So I think that's why the ACC does matter. I think that's why the ACC can fit. And I think they could go into the ACC with the knowledge that because of their overall cachet from a football standpoint, they could probably make a couple of demands and the ACC might agree to it because of the amount of money that they would bring with them.
0: Very
2: true. Now let me ask you this, though, Devil's advocate. I just feel – I just – I don't – maybe the ACC would love it. I mean, everybody's got a wish list. I'm sure it's like the SEC wanted the Texas and they wanted the Oklahoma. And I'm sure if you're at the ACC, uh, the last big name that you really can kind of go after is that. But to me, I think and I feel that the Irish fit better in the Big Ten when it comes down to everything across the board. If I'm trying to sell the yard, the pool – and everything inside the yard with the house and all, it just seems like Notre Dame fits better Big Ten football than they do in the ACC.
9: Well, mathematically, and and when you look at a lot of aspects, they do, right? They, they, they right. absolutely do from a geographical standpoint. Um, you talk about weather and conditions when they play. All those things add up. Um, I think, right. and this is where the key to this whole thing is, presidents and chancellors. What do they look like? What's the prestige? What's the – and, and here's the other thing with Notre Dame. And I think this is where um, – this is what they're leaning on. You look at the Big Ten. You look at a place like Penn State, 60,000 undergraduates or whatever it is. Ohio State is somewhere crazy. Like, like those are a lot of big land-grant schools. Then you go to the ACC. Boston College is not a 50,000-student student body. Um, you know, you look at Duke. It's very small. You look at Wake Forest, it's also very small in terms of enrollment. And I think those are some of the things that they're looking at. Miami has a pretty large enrollment, but it is also a private school as well. So I think that's some of the pieces that they're trying to align with Virginia as well. That's, I think you look at those schools in particular, and they have very similar academic profiles and visual profiles as Notre Dame, whereas in the Big Ten, The only one that really has that kind of a similar feel is probably Northwestern. Uh, You know, Wisconsin's a big state school. Penn State I mentioned, Ohio State I mentioned, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska. All of those are really, really big state schools. Even Purdue is much bigger uh, than Notre Dame in its own state. And I think now uh, a lot of these conferences and a lot of the schools, particularly Notre Dame in this situation, Uh, they're not going to have as much power in the Big Ten because there are that many big schools that are involved with that. And so they would look to go somewhere where they're much more similar and could maybe wield a little bit more power.
2: Hanging out with the man, the myth over there, Mr. Reginald Walker, Jr. He is part of the Southern Sports Central family, of course, uh, former Penn State football alumni, does a mega amount of things in the uh, Charlotte area, around the great state there, North Carolina, in the World of Media uh, talking college football and some of the changes. Now another change, Reggie, that we're seeing is it seems like the NCAA said, okay, well we've had our we've we've had our go with this whole NIL thing and this whole transfer portal thing and well, this visits and all these other things. It seems like now they're starting to kind of maneuver a little bit. I saw where they're going to try to work a little bit with the transfer portal, not letting somebody maybe in it. They're also working on. Uh, uh, you can take as many visits officially as you want. Uh, I've seen some media, some outlets uh, reporting that. Um, it just seems like they're really starting to get their hands into it. And then there's this NIL deal. Now you know, like I know, every state has their own rules within the state, right? So what works in one state doesn't work in the other state. And it was only time before they were crossing some very sketchy lines in the NIL world when it came to achieve or receiving money certain ways. Kind of give me your thoughts on how you see the NCAA now trying to get their arms finally around this whole chaos of the new era of college football off the field and not so much on the field.
9: I think it starts with leadership. And, and let me, let me cache this in a certain way. And I don't mean this in a disparaging way to miles or uh, to Mark Emmert at all. I was getting ready to say miles brand. That's even further back. Uh but, but, Mark Emmert, much like you look at, uh, for people that that really follow this thing, much like you look at Jim Phillips and the ACC, these guys have always been in the student-athlete, academic, collegiate world. So they look at it, education first, all that other stuff shouldn't matter. That's where leadership matters. Charlie Baker, the new uh, president of the NCAA, he comes from politics. This guy was the – I think he was like the governor of Massachusetts at one point, all of that, or, or, or a senator from that state or something to that effect. But the reality is he now – that leadership level, they understand you got to do certain things. You're not, protecting the, 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 the old sort of academic student-athlete model. That's over. It's over. And I think Charlie Baker understands that. And I think Mark Emmert was trying to hold on to it because that's what he knew. I don't think that makes him a bad former leader. I think what it was was maybe a guy that wasn't ready and didn't know how to change. Um, But the reality of the situation is you've got to have people um, in a leadership position that are willing to create things um, and willing to, to, to make moves and make changes. That's what the Big 12 did when they went and got Brett Yormark to run the Big 12. That's what the Pac-12 was trying to do when they brought in George Kleokoff. The problem is it was too far gone. I think that conference is on the brink of extinction in the next three to five years. That's for sure, in my opinion. Uh, but I think leadership is what's mattered. And I do think it's smart that, they're, uh, that, that Charlie Baker and, and his team are starting to make moves to To make this thing a little bit more uniform, I I tell you guys, I, I think, you know, for me, watching this thing happen, the most important thing we have to do, to me, is allow the kids the leeway they want, but don't make everything to where it has to create a soft landing for them. If you want all of this freedom, you can have it. But there are going to be consequences for miscalculations, and that's going to be on you, not on everybody else to fix.
2: Well put, well put out as well as we're live with Reginald Walker here, junior, checking out college football. The hot topics happening around college football. Of course, former Penn State football alumni, big-time contributor around the great state of North Carolina, around the Southeast, and, uh, of course, all of the media, radio, TV, and, and all of that connected now. College football, course, you're seeing some more and more. You see the SEC growing next year. That format kind of different. Do you like the new format the SEC is doing? They're not really going to have it like east and west. They're kind of doing it like in certain sections, and it looks like they're going to take, no matter what, at the end of the year, they're just going to take number one, number two, make an SEC championship game. Because I feel that they realize now that they're going to have a larger playoff format that they know right off the rip. They're going to have at least – at least the SEC is going to have four teams in that playoff.
9: First of all, I completely agree. They, they know they're going to get a large share of those playoff spots. The other thing, I, I don't like the non-division format. I, I, to me, that's what it should be about. You go win a division, right? You go, like, to me, guys, right. I, I, I've never understood the idea that you could be a national champion and you never played for a championship at any other level along the way that's amazing to me. So in football, basketball is a little bit different because it's tournaments, tournament, it's a lot of teams, but to me in football, it's, it's I always look up, and, and the best example is Nick Saban in Alabama. Nick Saban has won several national championships in which he did not play in the SEC championship game. That's mind-boggling to me. If you can't win your league, how can you win the whole thing? I just, like, to me as a player... I want, I want to be able to control certain things. And that's why if you're at a non-Power 5 school, it would be very, very frustrating to me to know that I can do everything in my power win every single game on my schedule, and there's still a chance I can't play for a national championship. As an athlete, you know this. You, you've been around the game long enough. All we want to do is be able to control what we can go get. All I want to do is know what I have to do to go play for my ultimate goal. And, you know, you look at what the SEC format is, the ACC is doing the same thing. I disagree with getting rid of divisions. I think divisions are important. I think they help with uh, creating and and maintaining and sustaining rivalries. Uh, I think that divisions allow us to have those matchups and make them matter every week. And I also think, and I think this is the real simple piece that nobody's really thinking about because everybody's like, well, you can have a weak division that year and and get get to the championship game having played nobody. You could have the same thing in this format and absolutely play nobody and be undefeated because you played absolutely nobody or catch teams when they're injured, all of those things, and there could be years where you catch a certain team and they're just not very good that year. What happens in the year that – I'm just going to use – let's just use Duke as the simple example in the ACC. or in, Let's go to the SEC. Let's use um, Mississippi State as an example. Vanderbilt. Let's use Vanderbilt. It's a perfect example. What happens if they get a year where Auburn – they play Auburn, but Auburn is wrought with scandal. We know that's known to happen at Auburn. And there's an injury at Ole Miss and – Georgia's got three players suspended. Other than that, they've played you know, some of the lesser teams in the league. Now all of a sudden they're sitting there at 8-0, and everybody's going, well, Vanderbilt's a paper champion, but there's three other teams behind them with one loss in the league that don't get that shot. Whereas if you're playing division, if your division just falls apart that year, that's just a division. So I think that kind of stuff
2: is something that we've got to keep an eye on. Those are all great points, Brady, because actually we went through, and and unfortunately for Vanderbilt, they're in that pod that they're in, and it is brutal. I mean, if they win one game this year, we're going to be pretty excited over here because their whole theme is anchor down, and that's kind of what needs to happen if you're in Vandy right now, if you're in Nashville, uh, anchor down, because it's going to be a busy and a very tough, long season. But you look at South Carolina, you look at Georgia. I mean, they're scheduled next year because they're put in pods, right? I don't like I like, like you said, I like the traditional part of college football. That's what's made college football so great. That's what we love to listen to. It's like waking up in the morning, you watch college game day, which we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But you, you, there's certain games that you want to listen to. I mean, I miss the days of listening to, to the certain guys that were the play-by-play guys. Either they passed away or they just decided to retire and get out of it. I mean, Keith Jackson was – that was the guy, man. When you listened to him in the morning, you felt like you were in the stadium even though you were in your living room, you know, there's just certain names that you hear on the other side. I mean, like you and I talk about all the time, when you hear that CBS intro to, to, to college football, you know, it's about that time. It's about that time to get after Absolutely. the three thirty game. It's probably going to be one of the best games of the day. It's one of the top tier SEC matchups. There's just certain things that that's what we look forward to. I am scared to death. that college football is, and I talked about this yesterday with another coach, is that it's becoming more and more and more of an entertainment than it is actually a sport. And Eugene and I talk about this all the time as well. But also, I'm worried now it is 100% going into that minor league pipeline. We already knew it was, but man, are they not putting everything in place to basically make it an official pipeline business-wise, a business module with the NIL, with the transfer portal, and everything else with these contracts that you're seeing week after week come out? It's just scaring me because I don't see college football going in the direction that I want it to go in, that's going to keep it to what it was. I get things change, but not all change is good. I do like that the Texas is coming into the SEC because that puts Texas A&M and Texas back in the same yard, playing together again. That's how football should be. But could you imagine some of those rivalries with Penn State when you were playing that didn't happen because of feelings getting hurt or certain things took place that took that away from you guys? That just takes away from what makes college football its own entity. It's the shortest season in all the seasons, but somehow, some way it's the best season of all sports. I
9: agree. And let me let me say this real quick, because Penn State there's no excuse for Penn State not to play Pittsburgh um, and and you know, really Syracuse every year. Like there there's no reason why those games shouldn't and couldn't happen. Um, you know, it, it, you mentioned the, the the corporatization, if you will, of college football. And I heard you guys talking last segment about, you know, where this thing is going and, and, and players sitting out. And I, I think what it comes down to is they got to have some help in college football. And, and this is what I mean. You guys were talking about – I heard you talking about guys sitting out of bowl games. Mm-hmm. That's going to continue until the NFL says – Yep, a guy decides to skip his bowl game. Yeah, we don't really like that. That's probably going to cost him a couple of slots in his, in his draft grade. Until that happens, it's going to continue. A lot of this, the, the NIL construct and, and, and why, you know, the whole players being able to make money off a of name, image, and likeness, I, I don't have a problem with it, but let's call this spade the spade that it's supposed to be. This is the NBA's fault. Nobody wants to say it because nobody wants to piss off the big brother of the NBA. Excuse my language. I don't know if I could say that on the air, but I did.
2: Now you're good. But
9: nobody <laughs> Nobody wants to make the NBA mad. And the reality of the situation is the reason why kids feel like the NBA the NCAA is quote exploiting them is because what they don't realize in the rule is nobody ever said you have to go to college and play basketball. All they said was The the NBA said, you can't come here. And so with that, everybody goes, well, these kids are being forced to go to college and forced to not make money. No, college is a model just like your garden variety Wells Fargo used to be. You can come here, you can intern for free, it's going to build up your resume, and then you go do whatever you're going to do. That was the model of college athletics for the longest time. And then the NBA said, hmm, you can't come here. Nah. Because we got too many, of it, too many of them wrong with y'all coming out of high school. So now we're just going to, instead of us making our GMs do a better job, we're just going to punish every kid coming out of high school and say, you're not good enough to come here. So you go somewhere else because we've been wrong too much. That's the problem in this. Everybody is putting everything on the NCAA and the model. And I'm not saying the model was or
4: is perfect.
9: But the model wasn't hurting anybody. It was clear what they were doing. It is clear, as you just mentioned, it is still a minor league system for the NBA and the NFL. Now, the NFL, nobody you notice, nobody has been upset with the NFL for their rule of you got to play three years of college football because physically right. you will get killed in the NFL if you don't spend the, right, the requisite amount of time at the collegiate level getting your body prepared for what the NFL requires, the case in the NBA. You don't need to do as much because you can be physically ready for that and play against grown men. And so the problem to me has long been that the model wasn't the issue. What became the issue was access to more information, right, Uh, the the public nature of which these – media rights, contracts are negotiated, and and the money is is known. And the NBA and the NFL, in particular the NBA, really, basically saying, yep, we've missed on too many of these, so we're going to make you go somewhere else because we're tired of being wrong. That is what the real impetus and what the real catalyst for a lot of this NIL, Austin ruling, uh, you know, the Ed O'Bannon case. You can name 50 million of them that have come into play since then, but that's where it really, really came from. Is the NBA decided that they were wrong too many times, and they wanted to make these kids go somewhere else? And, and these kids didn't appreciate the fact that, you know, at 17 years old, when you graduate high school, you can go in the military and fight for your country. You know, all we've heard all of the, the comparatives, right? But they couldn't go to the NBA and make money, and that became the issue. And, and I think you know we need to stop ignoring and blaming everything on the NCAA and put some of this on the NBA and Adam Silver and David Stern and those people uh, of that ilk in their time frame as well.
2: Well put, well played, and I can tell you to the T, Reggie, I agree with you 100%. You know, and, and we're going to take a quick break because I want to get off the field and head to a couple of other topics that I know are going to be close to your thoughts and opinions. Number one, kind of get your mind right here, we're going to get into this Rob Gronkowski versus Baby Gronk thing, and I think it's a lot deeper rooted than just – Those two. I think this is a a typical parent living through his child that mentally will have this child so completely messed up by the time he hits high school. It's incredible some of the stuff I've peeled this onion back and found some of the stuff I found. And then I want to also touch on the changing of the landscape that, once again, ESPN is going to do. They've already let go at least 20-plus name, big name, former NFL big name guys, and a lot of big name ladies that have done some huge landscape drying. I mean, you're talking about setting the way for young ladies to come through. They cut them yesterday as well. But one that was close to me, and, and again, David Pollock being cut yesterday, I thought was a huge – Just it just really – I mean, if if I could turn it off, I'd turn it off, but I enjoy that Saturday morning part. But they kept one guy, and everybody keeps saying that that the amount of money they're paying him because he's kind of becoming – and Coach Smitty and I talked about this yesterday, you're seeing this. The Howard Stern of, of, of style of being a sports guy is becoming the new era, right? You're seeing it with, with Marty, and Marty and his guy that does it. It's a different style of, of uh, getting across to viewers. But, of course, uh, the gentleman that we'll get into when we come out of break, we'll talk about him and along with all the other stuff. Reggie, just give us a few minutes. Let's reset. We'll come back. We'll get you back running, and we will get into these conversations right after this, guys. Don't go anywhere.
1: Now back to Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central.
3: Reggie, I think Richie had to step away for just a second. Uh, wanted to catch you back up. And, uh, you know, we talked about so much in that first segment. Now, one of the things I know Richie was running into was the uh, the David Pollack being let off from uh, ESPN, you know, and made reference to Pat McAfee. I think one of the huge issues that you're seeing, and this even ties into something this morning with the baby Gronk thing, is – It comes down to a numbers game. Uh, During the break, I was just looking up, and I saw that Pat McAfee has 3 million followers on Twitter compared to David Pollock's 380,000. Again, you know, if you're a producer and you're trying to, you know, run a television show, whether it be ESPN or something else, and you're trying to, you know, how you pay for that show, and how you pay for your staff and and get that thing on air comes from advertising dollars. and. Whether you agree or not to what they say and how they act and the content that they spew out, um, the advertisers are going to look at well, who's going to see it? How many people are going to see my product? Um, you know, uh, on your show. And, and when you look at the numbers again, and some of these metrics are based on a, a lot of it. Probably, I, w- I, w- I would be willing to bet, and I don't have information to back it up. Ninety percent of it is going to be based on your social media following. If you're, you know, a talking head. And so when I look at these numbers and I see $3 million for Pat McAfee and I see 380000 you know, for, for David Pollack, uh, you know, the producer, whether he may like a guy or dislike a guy or, or what they do or say, you know, it's going to come down to a dollars thing. And, you know, if, if you don't make money, you're not going to be able to keep your show going anyway. So I think that's gonna yeah. be, I think that's probably the biggest part of that decision.
9: No, I agree. Social media is currency now. It really is, because it's about reach. It's about – because people are not watching the way they used to consume. It's just a different thing now, and so it's all about access and reach, and reach starts with social media. That's that's the profile, and, and let's not get it twisted. They also see how much money you know, these different companies were willing to pay Pat McAfee just to – uh, promote their products, or just to be to have that presenting sponsorship. The goal for these, for ESPN in particular, is that when Pat McAfee comes over, that they can turn around and sell that hour of TV because it's replacing uh, where Max Kellerman's This Just In went. They're going to be able to sell that for those amount of advertising dollars or more, which is going to come back to ESPN. That is the goal. The question is going to be. How long does that last? What happens the minute Pat McAfee does something a little bit different and everybody goes, oh, see, and Disney controlling him, it's not the Pat McAfee we know, and they maybe stop watching? Now, I can tell you from having worked there, there's not a whole lot of basically – the way the public looks at it, there's not a whole lot of, here, Pat McAfee, here's a script, this is, the, this is what you say for the next three hours. That is not how that works. But there is discussion at times when things happen or things are said, and they go, hey, we've got to be careful. We can't say that on TV. We've got this, that, or the third entity that we're partnered with that we've got to watch how we cache certain things. So that does happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, unless you're completely putting something out on your own, and you're not getting any advertising dollars or you're not getting any sponsorship coming in, there is always someone that is going to say to you or could say to you, hey, you know, we're aligned with you from a brand perspective. We're not really comfortable with what you just said.
3: Yeah, I, I see that, uh, especially with Pat McAfee. Um, and some of the things that, that he's either said or, or alluded to, um, going very against the grain of the current ESPN, and that's the you know the the, the uh, we'll say male slash female sports and who can participate. McAfee seems to have been on the very uh, the biological stance, whereas ESPN has very much stayed away from um, you know taking a, a a line of you know quote unquote what some people would say defending women's sports um, you know with with awarding you know heroic medals or, or awards upon you know some of the trans athletes and things like that. Um, So that's why I I thought it was almost like a, whoa, what's going on here? When um, Pat McAfee stepped away from, what was it, something like $200 million to join ESPN? Uh, He he walked away from a $200 million contract, and and you don't walk away from $200 million, you can say. So that's why it's really mind-boggling to me is, you know, I've always thought ESPN can control the narrative of what you can and can't say, so either he's sold out <laughs> for a lot of money or, you know, he's going to have some autonomy. Um, from what you're saying is there are some hardline stances, you know, with where you can and can't go, but for the most part it sounds like what you're saying and um, your experience with ESPN is, you know, these guys and ladies aren't necessarily controlled. They're not reading from a script.
9: No, and, and let's remember one thing, too, and I think this is the thing that a lot of people are not thinking about in this whole Pat McAfee deal. It's a three-hour show, if memory serves. Only one hour is going to be on linear TV. The other two hours are going to be on ESPN+, Plus, which is a paid subscription service. Behind that paywall, the rules are a little bit different than they are out front. And I think that may be a piece of the reason why it was still appealing to Pat McAfee to, to make the move, because he's still got a couple hours behind the paywall, he can do whatever he wants.
2: And trust me,
9: there's probably some kind of a metric. There's going to be some kind of a metric that they use to track who's watching and how much they're watching on ESPN Plus versus the linear product. And something tells me there's probably some kind of a financial incentive in that for Pat McAfee as well.
2: Reggie, would you say it be true? Very similar. Let's let's use a sports analogy here, right? Everybody that plays baseball in the major leagues wants at one point put on those pinstripes to play for those Yankees. And as a former baseball guy, I can tell you that's just that you could be. A, you've seen Red Sox players leave and go to be Yankees when that was kind of against. That was a sin in Boston. I get it, but there's something about being a part of that full letter network doing what you do with the world of sports, doing what you and I and Eugene and other guys that do what we do. You know, the one thing that I can tell you, I love being on Southern Sports Central, man. This is my flagship. This is my baby. I've created this thing, and I've watched it do great things. But on my days of sitting in that studio over in, in West Ashley with Bobby Harden or, or doing it on Friday night on football on ESPN, the play-by-play guy, knowing that I was part of that four-letter network, it just hits different. It feels different. And for some reason, it hits that ego button that you can't put a price tag on that you know you made it, that you worked your your ass off to get to where you need to get, and now you're part of the biggest thing coming to sports, period. I mean, you see CBS, you've seen ABC, now that they are part of ESPN, but before. You see all these other networks. You see even Fox has tried to chase it, but they're so far behind ESPN, it's not even funny. Do you think that's some of what he thought of in his mind? He said, yeah, I'm going to lose a little bit of money here. But I'm going to gain it on the back end on a lot of other areas because I'm going to get a lot more opportunity to be heard, known, and I can tag this little flagship right here to be a part of what I'm doing.
9: Yeah, and it allows you to write your ticket everywhere. Think about it, right? Whether you're a stockbroker who worked on Wall Street for two weeks or ten years, if you're coming off of Wall Street, you walk into any financial institution and say you want to work there, they're going to listen. And you can probably name your price. It's the same thing. If you've… You know, if you graduated from an Ivy League school, right? That that creates an ability to name your number. Well, if you spend some time at ESPN and then leave, that creates opportunities afterwards to name your number. It gives you the biggest platform you can possibly have in sports. And then you, when things change, if you have to go elsewhere, as we talked about earlier, a lot of people are losing their their positions at ESPN and. There's a whole thing I can say about the way some people are acting on social media behind that, but I won't right now. But those people, yes, they're they going through a tough time right now. But if they decide they want to work at Fox or they want – they can name their price. They they can really push a number out there because these people already have a level of credibility in what
3: they do that will never go away because they worked at ESPN. It's like the, uh, the Nick Saban coaching tree. You know, a lot, a lot of, uh, right. a lot of coaches took those forty five thousand dollars analyst jobs because they knew what was down the road. You know, to put on their resume that they were a coach that football at the University of Alabama under Nick Saban.
2: That's exactly right. That's that's exactly right. And you saw a lot of guys, uh, fellas. You've seen a lot of it already happening before this, where people were leaving ESPN and they were going to Fox. And you were thinking to yourself, Aaron Andrews, right? Per- prime example. Aaron Andrews was at was at ESPN, right? She goes to Fox, and I promise you, she told them what to write on that check. Not because she's just Aaron Andrews, but because of where she was, right? I'm sure she used that as part of her, her, her piece of the puzzle, right? Absolutely. I,
9: I'll tell you this. For me, right? Um, I spent 12 years in production at ESPN. Worked on every show there was, covered Super Bowls, BCS National Championship games, rolls Bowls, all of it. I did all that stuff. When I walk into anywhere, and it's time to talk about, and now I work at Sports Business Journal full-time, okay? When I am in a room, and it's just happened to me a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of guys standing around talking about actually the Chris Paul trade. And somebody was like, you know, they, they, they were explaining all their opinions, and I said, look, I'm just telling you, don't be surprised if Golden State finds a way to move Chris Paul because of the money. Because of the way the new salary cap is set up, and it was amazing. There were probably two or three other conversations going on in the room. At one point, I looked around and noticed everybody was looking at me, letting me explain how the entire salary cap and luxury tax worked, because everybody knew where I used to work and where I currently work. That gives me a level of credibility to command the room. That's what happens when you leave a place like ESPN. We know Jalen Rose, a good friend of mine, by the way, and, and, You know, I hate that that he lost his gig. He doesn't need me money, but he loved what he did at ESPN, but here's the thing that nobody – that's always going to be there. We know what he did with the Fab Five. We know what his NBA career was, and we know what his resume was at ESPN. But if you don't think that his Renaissance Man podcast with the New York Post isn't going to see an uptick at least right away, because people may be waiting for him to talk about this process, if you don't think that's going to happen and he's not going to be smart enough to capitalize on that in some kind of way, you're not thinking properly, right? And so understanding what a place like ESPN and that platform does for you is important, and these guys and ladies that are leaving there, at first it will sting, but they will realize on the back end that they've got juice in the outside world because of where they used to be. Because at the end of the day, as much as people say, "Man, I don't watch ESPN anymore," or uh, "You know, ESPN is too much of this," or "All they talk about is LeBron," or "It's too much Stephen A," or whatever the case may be. Guess what? Right. When you're trying to figure out what's going on in sports, the first place you go is ESPN on your TV, ESPN Plus on your iPad, or where ESPN.com on your computer. That's just what it is. Exactly
2: right. We're hanging out with Reginald Walker Jr., Penn State football alumni, big-time contributor around not only the state of North Carolina, but around the country and the world of media. We're always glad to have family back home and sitting here at the table with us as we do today. Talking about the big-time layoff, 20-plus, 20-plus were cut yesterday. Now, it affects a lot of things. It affects really, honestly, a lot of the NFL shows that we watch, right? There was a lot of guys. I mean, you're talking big names that were cut yesterday. And again, for me personally, I'm a little bit more leaning into college game day, so it'll look a little different. Reggie, your thoughts on college game day though? Because last year I just didn't enjoy it as much as I have in the past because it's changing, and I I guess I'm showing some of the the, the, the gray heads uh, that you know in my beard or, or what have you that I used to. I'm gonna be one of those guys, man. I remember what it used to be. I missed the days of, of the Lee Corso. Now he's not even on it half as much as he was, and unfortunately. That day's going to come where he's not going to be on it at all. It's going to be a completely different show that he basically pioneered from that first time he put on that very first headgear, right? It doesn't yep. hit the same when this guy Pat does it. I could give a damn about his belt buckle. I could care a lot about his little rantics. That's not the college game day that I want to see on Saturday mornings. Now, they're not probably going after me no more because maybe I'm on the backside of what they're looking for in audience. They're looking for my son's age. Who's twenty? Who likes that kind of attitude? They like that type of energy. You know, it's just like wrestling. It's changed the dynamics for the for the type of uh audience they're going at. Viewer, right? The viewership, right? Yeah, that's what pays the bills. Yeah,
9: yeah, it's simple, right? It's it's an I'll, I'll say it this way, right? So you made the you. I think you made the perfect point when you said they're not trying to get you. You know why? Our age group. We're traditionalists. We're going to watch game day. We're just going to watch it because that's what you're supposed to do on Saturday morning. They got to get somebody that you're right, that can get to the 20-year-olds and make them start to watch it. I worked on game day. I traveled with those guys for three seasons, and it was a great group. And the thing about it is, you know, you, you think about that show and what it's meant to college football. The idea was for Pat McAfee to be the guy to essentially
10: replace Lee Corso,
9: be that character that they need on that show, because that show needs that. And so, yeah, that that was the beginning of bringing Pat McAfee in. David Pollock is much more – I don't like to do comparisons, but I, for the sake of this conversation, David Pollock is sure. much more Kirk Herbstreit than he is Lee Corso. Kirk ain't going nowhere. Yep. So him and D.P. – they're both really, really good. I think David Pollock is phenomenal at what he does. I think Kirk is phenomenal as well. And I've worked with both of them directly, Kirk on game day and David Pollock when he was doing Palmer and Pollock out of Charlotte when I was working there still at ESPN. I've worked with both guys. They're both football aficionados. They're savants. They're smart. They know what they're talking about. But I think what it came down to is the personalities are I don't want to call them similar, but the style is very similar. They're football guys. They're not going to, you know, Corso, as he got up in age, headgear became more of what people knew him for, but he's a football guy as well. He's very, very smart. He knows the game. But as he got up in age, it became more about headgear uh, as it related to, to Corso than anybody else, and I think that's going to continue. Whereas with Kirk Herbstreit, he's about the ball. Uh, Desmond, Desmond Howard, ball. David Pollock is about the ball, and that's great. The problem is now they've got to weave in more time for the character to bring in those twenty, those eighteen, those really fifteen to twenty-five year olds that grew up completely in the social media era. That's what they're reaching for. Pat McAfee is much more likely to quote go viral than Kirk Herbstreit, David Pollock, and Desmond Howard combined. Because of the things he does and the antics he creates. That's no knock on those guys. They just take a different approach to it. That's a outspoken wild dude. He's a punter. Let's let's remember that. And I don't oh, mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like Eugene, you know this better than anybody. You work with, with, with specialists. You have to be a character to be noticed as a kicker or punter unless you miss a kick. That's just yeah. facts. Well, guess what? Pat, Pat McAfee is all of
4: their yeah. examples.
3: Yeah. Yeah, some of, some I mean, of the mic'd up Pat McAfee's as a punter, you know, uh, basically cursing out and going after defensive linemen and getting his head knocked off and trying to knock people's heads off. You know, it, it, it was almost like he was an undersized linebacker kicking a football just by the way he acted in his mentality, you know, just, just from the segments that I've heard that he was mic'd up while playing.
9: Oh yeah, he. I mean, he's a. I would call him. He'd be the the perfect example of a linebacker stuck in a kicker's body, right? Like, he's a zany, wild dude, who you never know what he's going to say. And I think I I think it was Richie. You used the example earlier, and, and maybe it was you, Eugene. But he is the Howard Stern of sports, right now.
8: And Howard okay. Stern
9: once said. The reason why he said Howard Stern once said, "People hate me because they don't know what I'm going to say next, and people love me because they don't know what I'm going to say next."
2: That might be the perfect. That that right there is what sells.
3: That's what sells. It's yeah. I mean, people back then uh, equated it to you know you couldn't look away from a car crash, you know, because you you wanted to see what was coming out. Yeah. I see Some that. Some things never change.
0: Do you understand the words that are
2: coming out of my mouth? <laughs> not get yeah, that, think. guys, right? That, <laughs> if I was that, – <laughs> that, that ought to be his thing right there, uh, completely <laughs> to that point. I, I had to look for that one. <laughs> yeah,
6: that's, that's but that's what it is. I mean, so
2: that's, guys, that's what sells, yeah, completely what sells yeah. is the unknown, right? We don't give a damn what we know. I want to watch the unwatchable. Perfect scenario. I know I'm getting her to go by this car accident, and they got some sheets up, so that ain't good. But damn, I can't stop watching because I know something's I'm over fine. there, or there's lights over I'm there. I want to know what the heck's going on over there. Well, you know, why you don't we have traffic half e- 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 the time? Yeah, let's use e- traffic e- as e- an
9: example. E- well, look at when, at,
3: when look you're driving. Right. Look at the Denver Broncos leading up to the draft. Their quarterback situation is a mess for eternity. Right. So they're going into the draft. and How do you switch the narrative of your franchise being stuck in a bad deal forever with no leeway to get out of it? You show Because you're in Colorado, you basically do not punish your coach. He's hitting a water bong in the draft room. And it's just like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Damn we were changing right. the narrative from from how bad they were with their quarterback <laughs> situation and contract situation. Oh, let's just put – let's just, you know – have this out there, you know, so people start talking about that instead. It, 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 it's it's uh, getting back
9: to the car crash. I, I agree with that. But getting back to the car crash part of it, right, why do we have traffic oftentimes? If there is even just a disabled vehicle on the side of the road, everybody has to slow down and look at it. It's the same thing. Pat, yeah. McAfee, Pat McAfee, like, I can't remember which game, but he did the stunt where he, like, jumped in a lake or a, a street or a pond or whatever it was. And it was like 15 degrees outside. It Dad! doesn't even sound smart. It doesn't even sound smart. But well, guess what? We all watched it because we were like, is he going to freeze to death?
2: So everybody watched it. That's what we're doing. Like going to the circus. It's going to the circus yep. brought to you by ESPN. That's what it is. Nobody cares. I mean, you watch this guy jump into this, this, this arena with bears. I don't give a damn if he can feed him. I want to see if these Bears are about to rip them in half. I mean, let's just call – that's what we're watching. I didn't go to yeah. hockey games to watch hockey. I went to go watch a fight, and a hockey game might happen to play out. I don't know, but I wanted to see fights. And when they stop fighting at, at these minorly hockey games, like the Stingrays, I don't care to go. I don't care about that part. Mm-hmm. I can watch that any other day. I want to see somebody get after it, right? That's what you go for. What? And that's what sells. That's that media, the unknown. And, again, the Howard Stern of sports radio is this Pat McElveen. He is a special teams guy. And the one thing I've learned, and, and Coach, you know this, Eugene, and, and I can tell you, Reggie, you know this. and playing the game as well. How many times were we on a football field and you look to your right and we're busting our ass and we're sweating and we're running that play again and running that play again and we're running that play again, but we didn't really mess it up. The coach just wants to see it again and again and again. And it's 100 degrees outside yep. in the south in August. And I'm looking over there, and I got three kickers, Doing photo shoots, like, they're over there, like, cutting up, like, like, it's a whole thing over there. They're crossing their legs, yeah. and the guy's out like he has a camera. Another guy's sitting there with his feet crossed in the back and all, and I'm like, I'm over here busting my chops, and this guy's over here creating a moment. Like, that's Pat V. That's him. That's what makes him yep. what he is. And I can tell, if I was Eugene, I would go tell your guys right now, go to marketing and sports and broadcasting, because if kicking don't work, this personality that kicking's made you become, take that to the show because that's what's selling right now.
9: That's exactly right. That's crazy, you know, but that's true. Why go, why go to a hockey game? Go to the fight, and, and maybe a hockey game will break out. Right.
2: When I sat there, and we're going to change the gears a little bit, but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I He irritates me, but kind of like Eugene, <laughs> you said it, brother. What the hell is he going to say next? I don't know. I don't care about his belt buckle. I had to hear that stuff for weeks after weeks after weeks. I'm like, bro, I could care about your belt buckle. I'm, I like – the one thing I love about College Game Day is it has its own thing. I just hope that whatever they're doing, they don't get away from what they did and the fact that they got personal. The stories that they told, some of those heartfelt stories that they told, those are what made College Game Day amazing and made it what it was. I get things are going to change because you have to change with the dynamics and the climate and the kids that you're going after, right? I'm not that 23-, 24-year-old kid that, that loved That got up every morning at 730 and was ready at 9 o'clock with my bowl of cereal, my TV was on, and I knew College Game Day was about to pop off, right? It changed many times during my time. You know, think about it. I mean, even until the introduction, it's changed dramatically since it became what it is today. I just hope that they don't get away from everything that they did that made them who they are, right? You see that in a lot of athletes. You see that in people that get promotions and jobs. They forget about the man that they were when they became the man that they are. And I just hope that this show doesn't take that, that, that stride that they forget some of that stuff. Because, again, like guys, let's be honest. we Corso, this may be his last year. It's so bad, and it's so hard to watch. Because you mentioned, you know, a guy that's so close, to right next to him, He has to finish his sentences half the time. He's got to tell him what's going on because it's almost like he forgets where he's at. So some of it's sad to see him there. I'm just going to hate to see him when he's not there. You know, I'm going to hate to not see that, that individual who basically molded my Saturday mornings since about my twenties until probably late into my late thirties. And even into some of my early forties, I hate that part of it, but that's the reality, man. That shows that, (laughs) I'm on that other side of the, of the golf course. I hate to say it when it comes to the, what media looks for isn't what I'm, what I'm about. Now, let's change it just a little bit because I know you got to go, buddy. Um, the last thing that I want to ask you is, and you can kind of summarize it if you want because I know you got some things going on. We appreciate the extra time today. But this whole Rob Gringowski versus baby gromp thing, man, I mean, it's huge. And, and you're seeing that they just or, – well, or Rob just put out a cease and desist to the dad who's reached out to him so many times. The bigger story to me isn't that it is what this kid's mindset's going to be in ten years from now, after watching some of these podcasts that this guy is setting up for his son and telling him what to say during some of these questions, just kind of a quick thought for you before you get out of here
9: uh it's 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 scary to me to be honest with you and I, I think I think there's two there's two issues I have with it um I'm not here to really try to tell somebody how to be a parent um because you pair your kids the way you pair your kids. But that puts a lot of pressure on that kid to to become that. What if he peaks athletically at 11 years old? What if he peaks athletically at 16 years old? And then it doesn't turn into him being a gronk-level player in the NFL. If that's all that kid knew he was supposed to become, what does he become when that doesn't happen? That's concerning to me. The other problem I have with it is, what if he doesn't even want that? Maybe this kid wants to be a judge. Why are you forcing him? I've seen too many examples of kids in these types of situations end up hating the sport that that's forced down their throat. That's what I don't want. You let kids, in my opinion, you let them figure out what they love and then keep following that. And trying to make this kid a robot and say this and say that, I just that's concerning to me. Because what's going to happen when this kid gets put in a situation where he has to make his own decision? He doesn't know how. That's concerning to me. So, to your point, I don't like it at
2: all. Reg, I do want to say thank you so much, brother, for coming in here, hanging out with us, and uh, getting a little extra time with us, man. We're trying to get this thing back up and running. Looks like we're going to start going back to the morning shows, 6 to 8, Monday through Friday, Uh we're kind of playing with that, but we want to get some Saturday shows under our belts here to try to get this wheel kind of back up and running, get the car out of the garage, and you know make sure it's clicking at all cylinders, man. But as always, give us some opportunities to find you, man. I know you got your own show that you do. You got a lot of other things that are happening, man. Uh, tell us how to find you and what's going on in the world of uh, Mr. Walker.
9: Yeah, uh, Instagram r underscore w a l k one three. That's my Instagram. My Twitter is r walk thirteen. Uh, the Shutdown Corner, which is uh, in radio show form and podcast form on ESPN Radio in Charlotte, that's 7.30 the game. You can find me there as well. ESPNCLT.com is where you can look for the podcast form of my show as well. Uh, keep an eye out for me there. Gardner Web Football this fall uh, as a radio analyst, and then we'll see on the TV side still working so some of those details out.
2: You got it, brother. As always, we appreciate you. We're going to get you back, man. We'll talk uh, off the air. I'll give you a shout here after a while, man. But, hey uh, Before it gets busy, we need you in Charleston. Come on down. Let's go out, and uh, let me show you around Somerville, and we'll take it across uh, all the way to the edge of America to Folly Beach, man. We'll make a a weekend out of it. Uh, So the opportunity and the invitation is open for you, buddy. Sounds good. We'll make that
9: happen, guys. Y'all take care. Uh, Have a good holiday weekend and holiday, and we'll talk to you soon.
2: You got it, buddy. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. All right. All right, guys, there you go. Of course, uh, Mr. Reginald Walker Jr., big-time guy, man, big-time guy doing big-time things. Always a pleasure to get Reggie in here talking football with us, uh, to do what he does on and off the air. You know, and we are very blessed. You know, when you get a guy that's played for Penn State, who played for Joe Pa, and, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of respect that you have for a guy like Reggie is, is off the charts. Uh, he's been part of our family here for, for quite some time. It's been a lot of fun having him join us, having him talk to us about what's happening. Uh, you know, from his point of view. Again, playing at Penn State, man, that's that's a powerhouse. That's a traditional college in, in the realm of, of, of Big Ten football. And uh, what he's done in Charlotte has been just as big as well. We do have to take a break to come back, I believe. We do have somebody hanging out in the 803. So hang tight, 803. We're going to come to you here in just a little bit. But first, let's take a reset button. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central live right here on SouthernSportsCentral.com. Guys, don't go anywhere.
10: Three claps, we're ready tonight. Three claps. Three claps. Three claps. 27 years ago, I sat in this locker room just like you guys, on a knee getting ready to play a game. I walked down the locker room, it still smells the same. It takes you back real quick. One of the things that caught me was how fast 27 years goes by. There's so many people that live vicariously through you. I would give anything tonight to jump in one of these uniforms with you guys.
6: To do something I never had an opportunity to do. My father never saw me play. You play for your father tonight.
10: That feeling goes away. It goes away, and it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married. It comes when your child's born. So you get it. But you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play. Win on three. One, two, three.
1: I feel that you. Smell that fresh cut grass. I'm back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys at fall. Now, back to Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yalman here. The final 30 minutes are ahead of us here now as we're about to wrap up the show in about 30 minutes. So if you've got time and want to talk some sports, we're going to open it up for the last 30. Yeah, we're doing a three-hour show. Originally thought maybe two, but, you know, that's the cool thing when you run it, you own it, you do it. And I'm doing it three hours here uh, just trying to get my my voice back up and running, get back in the groove of things, if you will. You know, repetition uh, builds uh, character and, and builds a few other things along the way. But that being said, call them on in, hang out with us, call in, tell us your thoughts, what's going on in the world of sports. The number to call in is 515-602-9675. It's been a great show because we've had three guests, and we've touched all the way from the Charlotte, North Carolina area, where their good buddy Reginald, as he comes in here, Reginald Walker Jr., played at Penn State. Of course, he does a lot of things around the state of North Carolina with multiple, multiple uh, media outlets there. So we're always good to have him in here. And then we went to the campus of Clemson to the strength and condition in one of his own, Ricky Sapp all the way. Of course, he's from Bamberg where he played his high school ball, but ended up playing, of course, over Clemson, ended up in the NFL. Now he finds himself back on that same campus that helped build him to being the man he is today, and it started in the weight room. So it's always fun to get Ricky back in here. And of course, Coach Sapp will join us going forward as well. And then we started uh, the show off over in Greenville with Kevin Thomas, one of the Three guys that does an incredible job covering high school sports here in South Carolina with moving the chains. Uh, so it's been a good one. Of course, uh, we started with Eugene. Coach Smitty was here with us. And Coach Smitty had some things. He he kind of went out and came back to the studio here. Now Eugene has exited stage left. So it's just Coach Smitty and I. Coach, appreciate you hanging in and hanging out with us. And it's always good to get you back in the seat here and talk some uh, high school sports and college sports. But it's been a solid show, man. Probably our busiest show we've had in a while with Uh, Three guests and uh, about three of us hanging out here trying to educate our uh, our listeners.
4: Yeah, it's been a great show. I know Reginald Walker is always a great
2: guest to have on. Um,
4: And then you had uh, Kevin Thomas with Moving the Chains and then Top It Off with Ricky Sapp, one of the legends in South Carolina football. So uh, that's a fantastic
2: start to the summer season. Yeah, summer season, July 1. It is, by the way, Bobby Bojack. Bobby Benilla day is today. So we're excited to to celebrate that with the legend, the guy that of course uh if you're if you're in your what would you say like mid 30s, maybe early 30s, probably mid 30s into 40, 50, 60s, you know who Bobby Benilla is. Of course, you may think him his as a met, but he started his days with the Pirates with a guy that we also know as Barry Bonds. Um yeah, back in those days though, coach it seemed like they were coming in uh 2 by 2s, right? I mean you had you always had that one you is just the guy beside him. Like I mentioned, you had the Bash brothers in uh, Oakland yep. when Barry Bonds and, of course, uh, Bobby Bo were doing their things with the, with the Pirates. But uh, good to see him finally having his big day here, his big payday, too, by the way, uh, here on July 1. But it also starts the, the quiet season, not only for college. It's been kind of quiet. They're actually getting ready to crank up here soon a little bit more. But for high schools, uh, I mean, for you guys, uh, it, it's been a very busy, very, very busy 707. Going to campuses, we know that Power 5 guys now, you're not going to catch them on campuses. These coaches are now sitting in Barbados and McKees or wherever that they go for, I got to get out, check out. But we saw a couple coaches checking out yesterday on Twitter talking about, hey, it's been real, it's been fun. We'll see you in a few weeks.
4: Right. It's important, you know, like we mentioned earlier in the show about the full-time deal of football, which I don't necessarily agree with, I think especially if a high school level, kids should play multiple sports. Um, They should be encouraged to play multiple sports. It only helps build all their skills that they'll need. If if they do want to pursue the next level, it helps them build different skills that they'll need. And also it helps them to get a different perspective, you know, each sport that they play. So uh, I'm all for vacations. I, I think it's much needed. Uh, I'm glad that the NCAA has a better grasp on it where they actually uh, force the calendar upon the coaches. And, and so they kind of cut back a little from the 12 uh, month a year process. Whereas, you know, high school, we still ha- we don't really have a good grasp on it yet. They got a couple of dead weeks, which aren't really dead. You can still strengthen condition and, um, You know, and then, like you said, you got all these other things going on. Hopefully, um, shortly, our our high school organizations will realize, you know, it's not good for a kid, like you said, to practice anything for 12 months. They should be uh, focusing on other things, you know, whether that's athletically or academically. You know, like your previous guest said, you know, Kid might want to be a doctor, might want to be a judge, you know, they, they need time in the summer to do internships and stuff like that as well. So um, this whole baby grunk business that we brought up is part of that culture of 12 month a year, I'm going to go after it, I'm going to try to do this and do that, not necessarily a good thing. So uh, we do got to keep that in perspective and keep in mind on it and then uh, try to, make sure these kids aren't being robots and not uh, doing anything for 12 months straight.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. You know, I, I don't understand. Like this whole baby Gronk thing's really kind of got me kind of confused because, yeah, I, I get certain things. I, I really do. But what I don't understand is, is how we're going about doing some of the things that you're seeing. You know, you see this dad who is really, you know, pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. And nobody knows if that's what he wants. Uh, but they do – See, you know, They see the tweets. They see the social media. I mean, this kid is he's huge. I mean, like Eugene mentioned, he went to LSU and did a whole photo shoot. You see him around stars in certain places and making these videos, and you wonder the mindset. How much can a child manage in his mind already that he's already got? I mean, I think social media already, you know, it's so sad when I drive down the road, and I don't listen to a lot of uh, regular radio, but when I do, I hear these commercials about if you feel like you're being bullied by social media. I'm like, turn it off. <laughs> you don't, don't pay $1,000 for somebody to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Just turn it off. You know, Turn it off. Walk away. You know, it's the same things we were taught, but these, these, young, these young, I don't want to say athletes, these young adults aren't doing that. This, this kid alone is going to mentally have so many things. And like I, I mentioned, if you go into SO Sports Central and you see the article that I attached to the baby Gronk versus Gronk himself and go into the comments, and there's a piece in there where this dad is sitting beside his son and teaching him what to say. Because the kid would answer like a child would answer. And the dad would like, say, no, 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 no. Say this. No, 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 no. Say that. Right? And they would redo it. They would re-record it because it was, he wanted him to speak the way he wanted him to speak because it sells more. But you wonder how much this kid is going to affect him. Like the kid, I think he's like in fourth or fifth grade. There's a lot of things happening here. He's built like an eighth grader. I mean, they, they have put him in the gym, and he he's definitely looks like an athlete. But I can tell you even my son, who's 20 years old, Jacob, he was a hell of an athlete. He was a great athlete. And this was my biggest concern growing up. And, and again, we blamed basketball for some things earlier. I'm going to keep blaming basketball in this aspect, right? Basketball has always had these travel ball teams. And it, it changed the landscape of basketball and it's now getting into baseball. It's been into baseball. Now you're seeing it in football. These kids are playing too much sports, too much. And then by the time they get a chance to actually play the sport in high school, they're burned out. I can't tell you how many kids I, I coached in travel ball. And I would tell the parents, look, it's too much baseball. Let them rest. Let their bodies rest. Put them in a different sport. Do something different than what we're doing now. But they wouldn't. They would bounce from one team to the next team to the next team, Right? And by the time they became a junior in high school, just like my son, he was tired of it. He was burned out because he was put in there every weekend by choice, a lot of it. But he grew up in a house. He grew up in a house where his mom lived over there, and I lived over here. So there was, of course, there was that disconnect there. But now here he is at 20 years old, thinking to himself, "Dad, I could have played a little bit longer." And I said, "Yeah, you could have. You were good. You already had it in you. The genes were there. You just had to put in the work." You know, things just going to come out all the time easy. And that's my thing. I tell kids all the time, if you go look at the athletes that have won gold Olympic medals, and, Smitty, you know this as well, Coach, is that all of those guys that played and, and had gold medals played multiple sports because it teaches you multiple parts. It gives certain parts of your body a rest, and it works different parts of your mind, correct? But when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, sooner or later, that part, that piece is going to wear out. I tell people all the time, your arm only has so many clicks. I would imagine the kicker's got to be the same way because his hip flexor is very similar to a rotator cuff in your shoulder. You only got so many clicks. Be mindful that you do too much of it. Um, it just everything everything good is everything is good in moderation. I guess, coaches, that would be accurate.
4: That's accurate. You know, definitely want moderation for sure. And you know, this whole like you said, baby grump culture is more of this kind of circus atmosphere culture that has come about due to social media, due to um, the explosion of internet apps um, and making people kind of internet slash TikTok famous and all that. So that that whole type of circus atmosphere definitely plays into it. And I think that also – Uh, kind of blurs the vision of a lot of parents, blurs the vision of a lot of kids where they see a kid like Baby Gronk getting all this publicity, and and they don't realize we've seen – I'm 46 years old now, and I've seen a bunch of Baby Gronks in my lifetime that did not pan out, did not make it to the big leagues, did not make it past – high school. Some of them didn't even make it to high school that were considered, you know, at the time, Little League, World Series All-Stars or Pop Warner All-Stars or you name it. And they never even had a great high school career. So, uh, you gotta be real cautious as a parent uh, and especially real cautious in this day and age of technology where these kids are just swamped with the fame and the fortune and they're swamped with all that, like I said, circus-type atmosphere that goes along with it. And uh, that, you know, that could lead to some disastrous results for sure. And uh, hopefully, in this case, it doesn't. Hopefully Baby Gronk's very successful in life, whatever he may choose that he wants to do. But uh, <laughs> we have so many examples in the past of this, circus atmosphere running out and then the big tent is exposed and under that big tent was a whole lot of trouble
2: so hopefully that's not the case yeah we'll see how it goes for this young man again it's very young i mean this is we've seen stories like this unfortunately unfold in the past but
7: uh you yeah, know we'll wait
2: and see that i, I want to kind of get your thoughts on that coach you do coach uh you know young athletes you've been in the coaching um, fraternity for a long time. You were a former player, of course, at the Citadel, where you did some big things. You grew up in the northeast side of the world, so you kind of were transplant down here in the south. Uh, so, yeah, you've seen a lot of things, a lot of changes. You and I are the same age, so we've, we kind of grew up in a different era, seeing some different things. I mean, you know, even our parents would say the same thing, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I hear myself sometimes making comments, and I think to myself, damn, Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> I remember what it used to be. Oh, God, I did it again. You know what I mean? There's certain facial expressions I make, and I can almost look – I can almost feel my dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you are you are who you are. You know, but you figure, you know, you're going to make certain facial expressions that your parents made. You're going to make certain conversations that your parents said, and you've always said to yourself, I'd never be like that. You're awful. You're right. awful. Why would you say that? And then you find yourself telling your kids 20 years later the same thing. So, I mean, it's an interesting conversation. And me, like I said, I've got a great relationship with all my kids, and I try to maintain that, right? I I always tell look, I'm not always going to get it right, but I'm always going to be here to either pick it up or keep it moving. We'll figure it out together because this thing doesn't come with directions. I mean, there's no directions on the bottom of their foot when they come out, right? So you just kind of got to go with the flow, and you're kind of dropped into the fire as being a parent. It's the toughest thing I've ever thought I could do, but it comes with the greatest reward, you know, between being, you know, a, a, a father of four, and having a grandchild now, and and uh, there's so many other great moments that I've seen. And recently, uh, I've been a part of seeing, you know, a young life coming into this world and being a part of it. It's just such a such a blessing. But uh, Jacob is a he's a different kind of kid, man. You know, watching him grow as a man has been been a lot of fun. And we're having a father moment now, I guess. But uh, you know, and I've got Mason who's 12. Uh, he's still playing football. You know, he's a flag football guy. It's just his it's his thing. And I tell him all the time, man, look. Football doesn't have to be your thing. If you're having fun doing this, do this. He's a little bit smaller on the grid, so he's a little intimidated. And I say, man, look, use that size as your, as your plus. And I keep wanting to show him sizes of Reggie Bush and Sky Moore and guys who aren't the tallest in the world, but they're good. And they're good because they use their size as an advantage and not look at it as a disadvantage. And I think that's something that you can use in sports we use a lot of times uh, that helps us through our regular day-to-day life as well. Mini, one thing that you and I did talk about off the air last night, we were kind of going through the show a little bit and uh, kind of get your thoughts on this. You brought it to me last night about how the NCAA now is going to open up the visit, unlimited to official visits. You know, when I grew up, you know, I was going to a lot of campuses in high school. You know, I was going to South Carolina. I was going to Coastal. I was going to, you know, Florida State. I visited uh, LSU. I visited a lot of different campuses uh, because I knew that sports was going to be my, my, my future as much as it was my present, but I had to see campuses. But back in our day, you had five. It was a, it was a high five. That was it. No, no, no more than five. Now you're seeing that they're going to open it up. And it's going to be endless opportunities of official visits. I don't like it. I understand you want to enjoy the, 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 the aspect of going to each campus, but I also think it teaches us as men and as young women, because young athletes, these ladies are doing big things as well. It it teaches you, look, let's get down to it, right? Let's minimize where we want to be. Let's get a game plan of where we're going, and here's the five schools that I want to visit. It's too much for a young athlete to see too much because it's even harder. It's like going into the refrigerator, and you've got three different, six different meals. It's almost like going to the store trying to buy ham now. There's like 30 different styles of ham. It's almost overwhelming to me. I just got to close my eyes and pick whatever whatever I get, you know? Right. So
4: what the ramifications of this change will be is going to be real interesting. And high school coaches, parents, again, you need to be in tuned because this means also the recruiting calendar is going to speed up even more due to your top guys are going to have unlimited visits where they can take as many officials as they want, but they can only take it to the same school once. So you can only official visit to, we'll just throw out of school, Boston College once. Um, but I can go to Alabama, Auburn, Southern Cal, Cal, Arizona State, Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan, Ohio State. I can visit all of them as well. So no longer do you only get five visits. Also, they increase the amount of visitors each college can have at the Power 5 level from uh 56 to 70 so they now have uh 70 kids total they can bring in on official visits so this is gonna again speed up the recruiting calendar even more you'll see more official visits taking place in april uh there'll be some in may and then june will be your big month and done by the end of june now so that's your power five calendar uh you need to Kind of be wary of that. Also, it's going to also mean, too, with the new rule changes, uh, we talked about uh, they're now allowing an unlimited signing each year again, so they increased that for another year where it's no longer a 25-man limit per year, so they can go over 25. So, again, uh, that's going to open up a few more opportunities each year, but... Again, just kinda of, I don't wanna be the uh kind of negative Nell in the room, but it's gonna mean that more transfer portal kids will get recruited. So um that that's where those spots most likely will be taken up. So uh you gotta prepare for that as well, which will leave a few less spots for high school kids. It was supposed to have the other they're supposed to, intended to create the other purpose, to create a couple additional spots for high school kids. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think it'll just increase more portal players getting a chance. So we got to be prepared for that as well. And, again, um, Power 5 is not the only level. There's plenty of levels that offer great football, great academic institutions, great chance to make the NFL. So, um, you know, parents and coaches out there, don't don't just focus on that power five level. Make sure you're focusing on every level, treating every level equally, and advising your kids the same way that, you know, Newberry College, or South Carolina State, your Citadels, all the way up to your Coastal Carolinas and Georgia Southerns and Appalachian States, those are just as good as power fives, and I know everybody's dreams is to play on the big stage, but um the big stage is the elite of the elite. I keep saying that every week I keep on reminding people you have to be extremely elite to make that level so uh keep that in mind again, it's not impossible at all uh but there is you know there's a lot of work that has to be done to make that level, and you have to have a lot of things fall in place so Yeah, and these new rules are going to be interesting to watch a year from now, two years from now on how they did speed up the recruiting calendars, how it affects uh,
2: recruiting in general. And you're you're also saying it, Coach, too, and again, we we keep going back to recruiting. Um, We keep going back to recruiting, and we look at what it has going on. And that is the fact that if we don't educate these athletes today, they won't be ready tomorrow. Coaches you know, have got, these coaches have got to stay in their ears, directing them what's best for them. Like, where should they go? I mean, realistically, I don't mind a kid visiting a, a university like an Alabama, like a, like a Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clinton, but there's no need to go back and forth to these campuses multiple, multiple times to any of them. If you know and I know that that kid isn't going to start and play there there's no reason to go there but one time. Get that experience. Go to that campus. Walk through. See the wow factor. Get that whole, this is what I see. This is where I want to be. Because just because you go to the Newberries, just because you go to Charleston Southerns or just because you go to Georgia State or anywhere else, that doesn't mean you finish there. That just means you began there. That's where you are. That gives you to get to the next step. You got to be on the field, though. If you're going to watch it from the sidelines, might as well sit in the stands. Probably a better view. Maybe not the atmosphere. Well, that could be true, too. But back to these coaches, please take your kids to campuses where they can play. I get you want to chase it. You want to see them get the power fives. You want to get that. But as you see more and more, these young athletes coming out of high school are getting less opportunities to get that opportunity to come right out of the gate. Because you're going to see these Junior colleges, you're going to see these prep schools, they're ahead of the game. Somebody told these prep schools what was going on four or five years ago, Coach. That Myrtle Beach prep guy, he's sitting in Myrtle Beach right now thinking to himself, I got you. Just come here, start here. We'll get you where you need to go, but at least you're continuing to play. Because if not, it's a different ballgame. Right. Well, it
4: goes along with the whole reason for the transfer portal and why that So many schools now are focusing their recruiting efforts on the transfer portal. They want a older, more mature prospect to come to their campus. And, and of course, you know, again, everybody's going to be like, well, what about so-and-so? Well, so-and-so is a five-star. You can't compare yourself to a five-star. Those guys are – talk about the elite of the elite. There's about 20 of those a year, right, that – Qualify for that category where they could they they consider them already mature, right? They're they're old for their age or they look like an NFL player already. Cancel those guys out. We're talking about everybody else. Uh, Everybody else again. The reason these prep schools and I went to a prep school, Fort Union Military Academy, one of the best out there. uh, The reason they're so successful again is your training for a whole nother year at that sport. You're becoming older, so you're more mature. You did a little bit of college work while you were there, and your body's more developed, so the college thinks they're getting more of a finished product, right? They're, they're taking less of a chance than they would on a high school kid. So that all plays into a, a factor as well, and that's why you're seeing, again, a, a new resurgence in these prep schools. Uh, where they were kind of fading away until, again, the transfer portal hit and less high school kids were getting uh, scholarship opportunities. Now a lot of kids are deciding to go to prep school for a year, keep their eligibility, which is another factor in it. You get to keep your NCAA eligibility. So that's huge. You still have four years you can play after prep school. So it's a great opportunity for a lot of Prospects out there who are looking You know again to make that Jump to a higher level But I would also again caution Those kids again if you have An opportunity don't pass down Scholarship opportunities now From a Group of five or FDS or division two School or even Division three NAIA JUCO School don't pass down a scholarship Opportunity to one of those Chasing something that might never come to fruition. Uh, so, you know, like you said, you can, you can go to one of those, any of those I mentioned, and work your way up. It's been done the last couple of years. Again, Transfer Portal, one of the best prospects um, out of the Transfer Portal in the last uh, three years was the kid Jared Verse out of Albany U. And, again, that's an FCS school up in New York, in Albany, New York. That kid is now an All-American at Florida State. He would have been a first-round draft pick last season had he come out. He decided to stay an extra year at Florida State, and he'll be a first-round draft pick this coming up year. Um, God willing, he stays injury-free. But, again, a prime example of go somewhere that is going to give you immediate playing time, earn that playing time, show out, Show the world how good you are, and trust me, they'll find you because now they have whole recruiting departments set up to find you at those other levels now um, with the Transfer Portal. So uh, if you're that good, they will find you. So it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. And, again, um, exactly that that's the great thing about the Transfer Portal, right? Uh, the Jared versus of the world who – we're able to leave Albany U and go to Florida State and become a superstar, right? That that's that. Those are the positive stories of the transfer portal. So, uh, there's opportunities out there. You just got to be willing to take them. You got to be, and again, you got to be willing to put in the work. You got to be willing to, and like you said, the main thing is, are you on the field? I mean, that's the main thing. Are you on a field? So. Always keep that in mind when you're looking for a school. Where can I play? Obviously, you want to keep in mind what is the best academic situation for yourself as well because, again, I know everybody dreams of playing in the NFL. That's a very, very, very elite fraternity. So you want to make sure you're also keeping that in mind as well, not just your football career. You want to keep in mind that I need a job after I graduate. What school is going to better prepare me? for a job after I'm done playing sports.
2: Yeah, all great points here. It's uh, You know you can almost call the transfer portal the second chance you for a lot of these guys. Uh, again, uh, some of them jump in it for different reasons, uh, be it they need to go somewhere else for other reasons. But as long as you're getting the guidance, if they're making the best decision, I would write it out because when you write it out, we make fun of people that write everything down from grocery list and all, but at least you see it. It's easier to achieve it when you can see it. Make it achievable by writing it down, putting a game plan together, and then going after it. Again, I mean it's a it's a big move, and we you know we we support you if you feel like that's where you want to be. Yeah, you know, Spencer Rattler right now on the front page of of Sports. He's of course that big time guy that transferred in, followed Shane Beamer from Oklahoma, right? And Coach Beamer has done an incredible job using that transfer portal. And if your athletes don't see that, other coaches are following that suit. It's just easier. You're getting these kids that have already cut their teeth. They don't have that. They've been away from mama long enough. They don't have to worry about breaking that part because it's already been broken. It's just it, it's another twist into making it harder for you athletes to do what needs to be done. been a good show, though, Coach. We appreciate you. We appreciate, of course, uh, Eugene being back in here. Uh, we didn't get as much conversation with everybody like I, I like sometimes because we've had a lot of great guests today. I want to thank Kevin Thomas for moving the chains. came in here. Uh, out of Greensville. He's from originally from the uh, Florence area, but him and his guys do it big in the upstate, uh, moving the chains. Of course, we'll be working with those guys this year during football season. Ricky Sapp came in all the way from the campus of Clemson University. The Tigers' uh, strength conditioning coach over there came. He does in that weight room. He gave you some ideas on what to put in your body when you're getting ready. Right? Stay ready, get ready, and uh, things that happen. But uh, he talked about that. Of course, he's originally from Bamberg. South Carolina, the bright lights of Bamberg uh, as he came in here and was able to educate us from his days of playing at Clemson and playing at Bamberg and, of course, played in the NFL. And then the uh, gentleman that just joined us, a big-time family member, Reginald Walker Jr., played for Joe Pa and the, of course, Penn State Nittany Lions. We are, as they say, up there on that side of the world. He's also a big-time media guy in the state of North Carolina, Carolina as well and goes up and down the eastern seaboard. But he's worked for ESPN like myself. He's covered some stuff. He's been a part of things uh, as well. Those are the kind of guests we're going to be having in here, guys. We will get more coaches involved. Uh, We will have some players coming in here in July, which is why we'll probably keep the Saturday show until August. Uh, August we'll go to the morning show segment. That will be from 6 to 8 as the kids start to get back into school. We'll be talking about mid-August when we'll do that. But right now we feel Saturday morning is going to give us a chance to talk to some of these young athletes and to get them involved into our show forward. But, uh, of course, uh, having Eugene back on the board there for a little while was a lot of fun. Coach Smitty, of course, he's now uh, got his own chair here in the studio, so he'll be with us on a regular basis along with some other coaches that we're going to get in. But, uh, Coach, always appreciate you, buddy. We appreciate your support and everything that you do, and just uh, glad that you're now part of the team here. And uh, we got to get you some swag so that you can walk around King Street and let everybody know what's happening. But we are going to make a trip uh, over there to hang out with you and uh, your team, once you guys get back out on the field, yeah,
4: we appreciate it. appreciate all the coverage from Southern Sports Central for high school athletes in the state. It's much needed, like um, Mr. Thomas said earlier, for moving the change. You know, a lot of media has disappeared lately. Again, part of that internet tech revolution, where it sometimes is unintended consequences, and one of those is. Our kids have less exposure now, so it's always great when you got an organization
2: dedicated to getting kids exposure. We're going to do that, buddy, man. I'm going to cut you loose, man. We appreciate it. I'll catch up with you off the air, Smitty. But, uh, coach, always appreciate you, man. I'll say it on the air, but I'm sure we'll talk before, man. Have a great fourth. Enjoy it this weekend. Stay hydrated. Stay safe. And uh, tell the family we said hello, buddy. Take care. All right, guys, there you go. Coach Smitty checking out with us. Now, it's been a good one, guys. It really has. And, again, we appreciate Kevin Thomas for moving the chains. We appreciate Ricky the strength and conditioning coach over at Clemson. Uh, also, Reginald Walker Jr. played his ball over at Penn State with Joe Pock. He uh, does media stuff over in North Carolina and Charlotte. I think we's Eugene coming back in here, being a part of uh, the broadcast as well, guys. We'll be back next Saturday, next Saturday, 10 o'clock. Probably do three hours, right? We'll, we'll set it for three and we'll keep it moving. I do think uh, we'll have, uh, well, Stephen Garcia will definitely join us next week and along with a few other guests that are going to jump in here with us as well. Follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central, and you can hit us up on Twitter at S-O Sports Central as well. It is Fourth of July weekend, guys, so a little bit of summertime music to send us out. We want to again wish everybody a happy Fourth Day. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and be here with us next Saturday as we are live right here on Southern Sports Central at 10 a.m., guys. Happy 4th, have a great week, and until next time, stay safe. Here it is, a groove slightly
10: transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's
4: cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my C D and
10: let me run around. And put your car on cruise and lay back, cause this is summertime.